Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome Hello. to Big Damn Cast. Uh, this week's edition is set in a world that we're not quite sure is real. No. But apparently it is. Yeah, apparently, apparently this is the real world that we're living in and everything is actually real and happening. Yeah, but don't worry, we're here to talk about absolute bollocks and nonsense Ooh. to keep your brains distracted for at least approximately an hour and 25 minutes or more. It's going to be closer to two hours because Chris is on the podcast. That is very um, true, ladies and gentlemen. I, like always, I am a wax replica of uh, Robert E. Lee rightfully melting. And I am my known as Big Brown Beaver. <laughs> Classy. Uh, coming up this episode, we're going to be chatting a wee bit about some of the new Star Wars developments, including its tiny, big-eyed pals. Ooh. Uh, we're going to have a little uh, wank lyrical about the Planet of the Apes uh, reboot trilogy, because now I've seen one of the Planet of the Apes, mother lovers! Oh, yeah. So we're going to delve into that a little bit and uh, give give them a uh, Simeon send-off. Um, <laughs> we're going to read out some of your emails, and of course, we're definitely going to talk about Pickle Rick! Pickle Rick! But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, first something a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit less. Jovial. Yeah, some some yeah. sad news has come out of the production of, of Deadpool two. Uh, rather sadly, uh, on Monday, uh, Monday gone as you listen to this, um, stunt rider S J Harris was killed in a motorcycle stunt gone wrong. Um, it's currently under investigation. Um, apparently, it's been stated that she run the stunt about four times perfectly, and the fifth time something went wrong and just. Yeah, I had a crash, and it's, it's unfor- unfortunately is a risk of the job. I mean, obviously every possible thing is done to minimise risk, but a stunt performer's career is to put themselves in a in a you know form of danger. Yeah, for a performance, um, so it's never a hundred percent risk free stunt performing. And unfortunately, this is just one of those times where it seems circumstances got out of control. Uh, again, it's still under investigation to be done at the full scale, but it was it was left to Ryan Reynolds as one of the film's producers, as, yeah, well, as, yeah. as well as Deadpool himself, like to, to put a brief statement out on Twitter when the news broke, just to let everybody know that what had happened and that they were going to look into it and find out more. Um, but obviously, like our thoughts go out to to um, Harris's family yeah. and and friends and and to the you know colleagues and everyone in the movie too, because that. That is not like a pleasant thing to sort of oh, be part God, of. Oh no, God no, God no! And um, you know, it just it just goes to show how dangerous uh, the work that people put into these kind of movies that entertain us so mm. so gleefully. How dangerous that work is, and you know, I just you know we just need to take some time every now and again, um, preferably not just when someone dies, but you know, more often to just yeah. turn around to say thank you to these people and and salute them for the for the work they do. But yeah, um, S.J. Harris, uh, we salute you and uh, thoughts and prayers to your families. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Anyway. Um, from the horrors of planet Earth. From the horrors. To a galaxy far, far away. Hey. Uh, Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi, has been uh, putting out details and bits and bobs again yeah, recently. Yeah, the, the, the hype machine started spinning up on that again. Yeah, um, I th- I'm sure we're doing another trailer by now. We've got to be. It's out in December, so. Yeah, because unlike Force Awakens, this one has saved all of its marketing for like the six odd months yeah. up to release. Yeah, whereas yeah. Force Awakens sort of gave us 
a pocket of something every now and then over the course of a year and a half. I got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. Well, you might have a pocket full of pogs. Oh my because the, days. the creatures that share Luke's island retreat. Not the only him, creatures that share Luke's island Not the only ones, but, but, but they've been revealed. Uh, the others are called, I'm trying to remember what they've been named as now, but they're basically like the caretakers of yeah, the island. Yeah, Acto? No, the planet's Acto. Uh, I'm, I can't remember. I'm Akato, you're Akato, we're all Akato. But yeah, they're basically like big walking whales and they don't like Luke very much. Yeah. So, you know, great place to set up yeah. shop, Luke. Uh, yeah. Is that what Jedi do when they go into exile? I'm going to live somewhere where the local wildlife are tribal creatures is, that hate me. Is Luke a Jedi <laughs> technically, though, still? We don't, well, yeah. we don't know what's going on. Well, yeah, he's trained as a Jedi. He's the last Jedi master. I mean, there's, um, there's images of him in the posters with his green lightsaber, so he's apparently still got that. Oh, so that's sweet. Um, but the Porg are the ones that have got fans in a state of confused, mostly uproar. I was, Why? I was so surprised, but people are hating these things. People don't like cute things in Star Wars. Well, they? that's the well, that's the thing. I mean, we weren't around to witness it the first time around. The Ewoks, the whole Ewok. Yeah, because um, I first watched that film when I was a kid, and I thought the Ewoks were. F- I wasn't in love with them. But I, I thought, thought they were fine. odd as a kid yeah. watching them. But that was because the first third of the movie so dark, and the creatures in that are so grubby and but scary. And even now, as an adult watching Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks don't bother me at all. No, I, I, like, I can see why people would be like, "That's a bit jarring." Like, what? <laughs> but it's one of the few things that George, like George Lucas, like really steered that I get why he did it. Because yeah. the Star Wars movies are ultimately wait for people to blow their lid unnecessarily in three, two, one children's movies. Hang on, hang on. Wait. <laughs> That's the mobs outside. They're all angry. Like, they can be enjoyed by families, obviously, and, yeah. and adults don't have to have kids to enjoy the movies and watch I them. I love the Star Wars movies. But they're, they're definitely aimed at kids. Like, kids are the main Oh, God, yeah. They're, the main they're space adventure movies. And what is more cool than the Empire being snuffed out by something it never would have even thought twice about? Like, I think that was his intent from what I know. It's a Vietnam War thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's the it's, it's the technologically superior invaders being, um, being, you know, defeated by guerrilla tactics and lower technology, you know, natives. Like, the Empire was so smug and unsure of themselves, they never once even considered that, like, a little tribe like the Ewoks... No one would have believed <laughs> in the last years of the Empire. Oh, God. But that's the thing, like they set they set up the station on Endor and everything, because they're like, you know, no one's gonna get to it here, like we'll have a security station and no one's gonna bother it, and no one's gonna disrupt our stuff. They're like, what about the sir, what about the, the local wildlife? They're like, they're teddy bears. Like, just shoot them. It's easy. Don't worry about it. They didn't once think that these things would be like, nope, we're gonna take you down. Kill the shooty teddy bear. Thing. Obviously it takes like uh, Leia and, and, and Luke and Han's arrival and that to kind of spur them into full on action but it's like yeah before that they were just going to eat them yeah that's the thing people forget <laughs> yeah about the Ewoks they were going to yeah. eat the heroes yeah they probably ate some of those stormtroopers there's a reason there are scattered helmets yeah lined up in a row so nope nope yeah nope nope like they're all celebrating uh do 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 like they're all celebrating and Luke and Leia and all that are off to the side like celebrating too and that's when I'm sure at some point, like, see three people lean over and be like, "You do realise that that when they finished eating the stormtroopers, they're going to eat you." 
So they all just like spent the rest of the night smiling, nodding, and slowly dancing backwards. They're eating them! And then they're going to eat me! Oh my god! Wicket 2. Um, <laughs> that's I... on YouTube. Should... On YouTube, that's on Netflix. I should probably get around to watching it at some point. <laughs> it's probably on YouTube as well. It, yeah, and then follow it up with the, the movie called Best Worst Movie. which is I've seen that. that. I've seen that. I've not great. seen Troll 2. Anyway, we're getting off track. Speaking of trolls, pogs. Pogs these tiny little creatures with massive frickin... They're basically, if penguins were Furbies without beaks. Yeah, basically. That's what they are. They're these little penguin-sized, penguin-waddling things without beaks, little hamster mouths, big old... like There's, there's those teddy bears that yeah. have just got big, like, big eyes. Big brown eyes. Big brown eyes. They're, apparently, um... They sort of flock around the island. Ryan, but... Ryan Johnson was saying that they're kind of inspired by the pelicans that nest on Skellig Michael in real life. Now, I think I think if that was just simply it, people wouldn't have a problem. But it's the pictures of one of them in the Falcon's cockpit and things like that. That's fine. But I've got people going, oh God, are they going to bring a cute sidekick along with them? Is um, Chewbacca's pet? Or maybe it's a snack, I don't know. <laughs> hey everybody, R2-D2, BBA. Oh yeah, like, exactly. Like, right. th- these films have cute sidekicks. Um, I'm sure a lot of people might have found R2-D2 annoying when the first movie came out. Like, it, it, Most people find him endearing, but I get the, I guess there'd probably have been people like, what's that whistling robot? So annoying. Yeah, some, some people are idiots, though. So. Probably by now, though, they're like, oh, I love R2-D2. So it's like, just wait. You know wait why the they love R2-D2? Because r 2 d is great. R2-D2 is the single greatest dustbin-shaped character in all of fiction. That's true. He is. Um... I was trying to think if there was another one. <laughs> no, that's true. He's the greatest dustbin-shaped character in all of fiction. Yeah. Uh, so there are other dustbin-shaped characters. He is the greatest, though. Yeah, he is He is the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep him down. He is also round. Y- yes. And he does have rockets, so nothing can keep him down. That's true. And he does apparently have a load of weaponry inside him that I imagine he was reprogrammed to forget he has. No, point. he doesn't actually have any weapons. He improvises all his weapons in the prequels. He does in his CGI. He's not like BT-1 from the comics, who is full of weapons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's an it's a artillery droid oh, disguised as an astronaut. I tell you I read Vader down? Oh, you read Vader down? Vader yeah. down is so it's great. It's very good. Oh, my God. Especially we'll, when, we'll especially when those, like, the droids kind of meet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really and, odd. And, and it once again implies that it's a good job you can't hear what Artu's saying because he has a spectacularly foul mouth. <laughs> well, hopefully people will give the uh, foul mouth pogs a chance. I, I think they. I mean, it's cute space creature. Like, what's the problem? No, no, but that's Fine. the problem. They're gonna sell fucking tons of them. Mm. So many plushy pogs. <laughs> It's fine. They look like Funkos already. Yeah, they look like they look like they 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 have been made to be marketed. Like that's fine. Tailor made to fun the car. If we've got up. a problem with mar- with marketing, then what are we doing? Go and watch a Star Wars movie. Like, very true. It's like, come on. <laughs> well, when it comes to integrity, integrity and storytelling, some would say that it, it it's. It's kind of insulting to bring characters back from the dead. Uh, depends on the context and the rules of the universe. That's very true. But, spoilers for Netflix Jessica Jones Series 1! If you Honestly, if you haven't watched Jessica Jones Series 1 yet, Defenders comes out the same day as this podcast comes out on YouTube. Just go and watch Jessica Jones Series 1. We'll wait, because it's that good. Three, two, one... David Tennant is returning to Jessica Jones, season two, as Kilgrave. Apparently. 
Well, he is. He is, definitely. There is a he's set photo now. of him now. Yeah, okay. there's a set photo of him. He's in a purple suit. He's clean shaven. Oh. He stood next to Kristen Ritter. They posed for the photo. David Tennant is in season two of Jessica Jones, which is funny because one of the final scenes of Jessica Jones series one was Jessica snapping his neck. Well, it's just such a snappable neck. <laughs> you Argu- would, you? Arguably the second greatest villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. Yeah, all right. Kingpin, come on, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, Wilson yeah. Fisk, yeah. then Kilgrave, then Loki, Circa, Avengers, Thor, The Dark World. What about... What about Vulture? Vulture's pretty good. Um, I, I stick Vulture in fourth place. I don't think he's the greatest, though. I stick Vulture in fourth place, and I would whack um, Yellow Jacket in fifth. What about... Because Corey Ross's face looked like he was having a ball Corey in that Stoll. Man, And I he's hated great. him, which was the point. He was yeah. meant to be detestable. He was great. I really like Corey Stoll. He was one of the few villains in this was just like, I'm going to murder you because you're annoying me. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, that's not cool. Anyway, that was cool. we're getting so far off topic. Yeah. Kilgrave was dead. Kilgrave was dead. Now people are going, oh God, are they brought... I guess they had to confirm he's in it because they were filming outdoors. Yeah, that's the problem with like set reports and stuff nowadays. You yeah. can't keep anything a secret. Yeah, which is so annoying. But um, so he he was outdoors. Uh, so they've confirmed that he's in it, and there he is in purple. And there's all the subtle tartan in the suit and everything. It looks great as usual. And everyone's <laughs> going, "How's he in it?" Now there are some theories doing the rounds online. Some people think he's been brought back from the dead. Maybe something to do with the hand. Possible. Alan Electra, end of Daredevil season two. Spoiler alert for that. And the fact that she's in the Defenders. She, yeah, it appears like her coming back from the dead is, is the main. Plot One of the, the main defenders, plot points, yeah. Defenders. Like enemy of the state kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. but with Electra, which should be very cool. Well, the, just without, early Electra. Without spoiling it, there is some stuff at the end of season of Iron Fist mm. that points in that direction. I've still got two episodes to go of Iron Fist. I'm just, I'm not rushing it because it's god awful. <laughs> well, um, by the time you guys are hearing this, I'll have finished it. I'll have finished and it. We'll, we'll, we'll be probably have watched Defenders. Yeah. Um, okay. So put it this way: spoiler alert for next week. It's going to be about the Defenders. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Sorry, in case you didn't know, we're going to talk about the Defenders <laughs> next week. Um, Give you a week to watch it so you can get ready for There's only eight episodes. You've got no excuse. I'll be watching it in one day. Oh, God, yes. Um, so, people are thinking maybe he's been brought back to life. Kilgrave's small fry for the hand. They would have no need for him. Mm. Um, they wouldn't trust him enough to like use him even if they had a plan for him. Um, some, yeah, people, some people are saying maybe he's alive. Like Maybe he didn't die. No, that noise, the the, the that shot, neck looked pretty fucking snapped to me, is, son. When someone with super strength snaps your neck, it stays snapped. It stays snapped. The most popular theory, and I hope this one's the true one, based on how in series one, before we even meet him, she's having like hallucinations. It's PTSD, basically. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's PTSD for a man who freaking like controlled her for i think in i think in the tv series it's like a couple of weeks isn't yeah. it but it's like you just someone's that in your head that you're doing everything they say like she's in shock it's like, abuse it's, it is it, it is i mean that's yeah. what the whole series is about that first series is about surviving abuse now it would be weird if suddenly series two was just a detective show and didn't carry over some of the themes yeah. so the most popular theory doing the rounds is Kilgrave is either going to be in a couple of like you know sort of trauma flashback-esque moments like in series one. Yeah. Or what I'm hoping for is some Arkham Knight style imaginary friendship. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty effective in, in Arkham Knight. I would love the hell out of that if he like not in every scene, 
But if every now and again... He just pops up. There he is in her head. Yeah. Like, visible to her where she is. Because what would be the creepiest way for him to die? Just just to die? Maybe. That would be kind of creepy for the man who gets in your head to just suddenly disappear. It's like, oh god, well he's gone. Like, killing him did it. I became a, I became a monster to kill a monster. But I, I don't think but that's... yeah Slightly creepier would be that sort of post-hypnotic suggestion... Because it'd be a mix of like sort of the hypnosis sort of stuff and trauma. Yeah, like yeah. he's there in her head. He's part of her her psyche. And maybe she'll be able to push him out. Maybe that's her story out of the series is to sort of finally get rid of that legacy for good, and 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 I cl- think clean fair. herself of it and clear like of of. That's a Jessica Jones shit. story I'd watch. Yeah. That would be awesome. Plus, it's a great way to keep around a villain that everybody adored, but definitely had a definitive story up. Yeah. So that way, you're not bringing Kilgrave back, but you're telling another story with Kilgrave. I'm wondering if there are. If there's any real precedent in the Marvel Universe for bringing characters back from the dead. We're doing it with Electra. In the MCU? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Coulson. Coulson. Um, Loki's had a fake out death. Yeah. Uh, you could argue that a couple of characters have had fake out deaths, but it's more just the way it's shot. I don't think that, I don't think the there's any real death is cheap in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not yeah. yet, no. Uh, there's not um, been any uh, even in the films. There's not been any resurrection, has there? Not really. But Bucky, Bucky Barnes, but it wasn't a oh no, you thought that character you loved was dead, but now he's alive. It was a oh that character that meant a lot to the main character. Yeah, he's back and he's but he was never dead like we did stuff to him yeah yeah it's, it's another fake out death is it? yeah we'll see um i'm just excited to see david tennant continuing on in the mcu making him now be two uh of um disney's ongoing characters now yes because uh ducktales has started in the u.s Woo-hoo. have you seen the new theme song no it's just a modern like Re- redoing of it. So exactly how it should be then. Yeah, like people going, oh, hey, it's not the same as the original. It's like, yeah, but if they just play the original, then what would be the point? It's yeah. a new series. Um, Give it a bit of zhuzh. It's, not, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a Disney Mania album cover version of the original. It sounds fine. Like, yeah. It sounds good. Um, but David Tennant, back on Jessica Jones. Awesome source. I'm, I'm happy with this. Now, speaking of things that come back, uh, the crabs? <sighs> You said you wouldn't say it aloud. <laughs> I was hoping that they wouldn't be able to hear the I've been taking noises. my syphilis pills. The rash has gone away. But the crabs are here to stay. The crabs are here to stay. They formed, they formed a pube union. Oh no. Um, my warts. My warts. One of the greatest franchises of all time. And that's that's uh, not up for, de- it's not up for debate. They created action figure culture. Uh, they were the first one to go from a, t- a movie series to a TV series. Uh, yeah, it's had one remake that could have killed it forever and then came back from the dead better than ever before. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's that's yeah. last part's definitely true. And The Simpsons turned it into a musical for a gag. That makes it one of the greatest franchises of all time. Planet of the Apes, Mother Lovers, came back with... A vengeance is the wrong word. Came back with a attempt at a peaceful A spring Yeah. Um, shall we say uh, last month with War for the Planet of the Apes which uh, Matt reviewed a few episodes ago non-spoilery I've now seen the bugger you should have now seen the bugger if you have seen it don't worry about it if you haven't seen it and do want to see it and don't want it spoiled maybe go away at this point for a bit Um, if you're not closed either way 
Stick around. We're, we're going to spoil them for you. Let's have a little chat about Planet of the Apes, man. When did you first find out about Planet of the Apes in general? In general? Oh, I've been watching... Contact? Again, my dad being a sci-fi guy as he was and growing up, being born in the 60s, so growing up around like the like the syndication of those movies and stuff on TV, um, I was introduced to that stuff fairly, um, fairly early. Um, and... I was familiar with the TV series being on reruns. The The movies were like quite regular Sunday evening Channel 4 mm. sci-fi movie fair. So uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes particularly. That's the um, second or third That's one? the third one. Yeah. Because that's what some of our younger listeners might not know. It was a thing. Yeah. Originally, the version that's out now is the second reboot. Yeah. The version that's out now is the Casino Royale Daniel Craig version of it. In that it could be a prequel to the original until you pay attention. Then you go, no, it's a new thing. It's a new thing. So you grew up like watching... Did you have like the videos and stuff? Or... Uh, I No, I just, they were just on, on TV a lot. So, um... Yeah, I just became sort of familiar with them by osmosis. Um, and my dad had a couple of old, like, Planet of the Apes magazines mm-hmm. when it had its own, like, magazine series and uh, a couple of Planet of the Apes annuals. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so just became familiar with it just through it being sort of around. <clears throat> Look, it's, um, it's the reason Star Wars is how Star Wars is. George Lucas, like, did the marketing and all that, you know, merchandise stuff using Planet of the Apes as his template. And also Star Wars was on every Christmas when I was a kid. Or yeah, one oh. of the movies was on every Christmas when I was a kid. That too. Because I had the VHSs recorded it with it because during the broadcasts, they'd put a scroll on the bottom for, like, charity donations. So you'd be watching Star Wars over Christmas, filling yourself with your turkey. Yeah. And then you just, like, get the donation, like, you can call this number to donate to charity because you're enjoying Star Wars so much. So that's how it works, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, um, <laughs> what a humdinger! Mm. So, and, and Planet of the Apes are the same. Like, I feel like it, there was a Planet of the Apes movie on every Sunday afternoon on Channel Four when I was growing up, and there probably wasn't, but it just felt like that because I, they were on so much. How many are in that original series? Five or six? Um, I'm I'm just looking it up to, to fact check now. Um, I believe <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's six. Let's see if reason. I can do this without bringing it up first. Okay. I believe it's Planet of the Apes, right? Uh, beneath the Planet of the Apes, the uh-huh. second one. Yeah. Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Conquest of the Planet for the Apes. Yes. And then Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So five. I believe. That would be five. Um, based on the original series of movies. I think that's five. Then there was a series. Yeah, there was a, a, there was a cartoon series. And there was a live action series. Yeah, the cartoon show was Return to the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And the live action series was called... I think it was just called Planet of the Apes. That would make sense. I think <laughs> that would make sense to um, be fair. <laughs> oh, I was so right. Um, you get it right. Yeah. Boom. There you so go. So the original novel, Planet of the Apes, um, or it was French originally, it's called The Planète des Songes by <laughs> Pierre Boulet. Um, ah, yes, that famous ape historian. We've got Planet of the Apes in 1968, <laughs> Beneath the Planet of the Apes in 1970, Escape from the Planet of the Apes in 71, Conquest in 72, and Battle in 73. Okay. Uh, Planet of the Apes remake in 2001. Yep, the Tim Burton atrocity! It is so bad. With wonderful visual makeup. 
absolutely stunning visual. Oh god, like the effects work. are incredible. Um, but it's a this gash movie. It's tits. It is not good. It's utter tits. Doctor Zayas well, not, says, "Damn them all to it's, hell." It's not tits uh, because tits are great. There are monkey tits in it, though. Are they? Yeah. Well, they're, they're sort of loosely covered. There's that weird bit where the the, the big one's getting a lap dance, basically, from the one side oh, on top of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Marky Mark's yeah. wandering around being like, I'm Charlton Heston. Yeah. Um, um, we also got the... the whilst seven... Charlton Heston's made up like Dr. Zayas, going, yeah. Damn you all to hell! Damn you all It's like, hell. that's not your line! Well, it's your line, but it's not... Damn it! <laughs> Um, gun wielding man. Planet of the Apes, the TV series in seventy four, and Return to Planet of the Apes, which is the cartoon series in seventy five. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy five uh, for Return. Yeah. Yeah, Planet of the Apes TV series. Um, and then it's only fourteen episodes. Aww. The original TV series. Well, some animated series that are fondly remembered were only brief, weren't they? Like the, 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 start, the, the, Star the live action one was only fourteen episodes. Yeah. The uh, how long did it run? I can't see where the how long the the um, animated one ran, um, and then we skip ahead after two thousand one to twenty twelve, twenty eleven, twenty eleven. The continuity reboot: Rise of the Planet of the Apes, then Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then this year we got War for, for the, the Planet, planet of, of the, the Apes. Apes. Um, my introduction to Planet of the Apes was a bit different. I was vaguely aware of the original film. But I don't remember if it's because I saw it or because of cultural osmosis. Yeah. because the, It's like that, isn't it? Because for years, when I thought Planet of the Apes, the first thing that came into my head was references on The Simpsons. So, Child of the 90s, watching a lot of The Simpsons, Planet of the Apes was clearly a very big favourite film for the, that writing staff because it, there are so many Planet of the Apes jokes in the first like eight years of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Most infamously, of course, being the, the Troy McClure musical Stop the Planet of the Apes, I want to get off. <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, did it, did it, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, like that whole, oh my god, I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh, I remember when The Simpsons was really, really good First eight time. seasons. There it is. First eight seasons, some decent episodes in season nine and ten. After that, there's a brilliant essay video specifically about mathematically when it starts to decline based on like the writing staff and uh, guest treatments and things like that. It's, it's fascinating. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much shortly after like Conan O'Brien and Josh Weinstein left the show, that's when it started to decline. Um, but uh, in fact, they pinpoint the exact episode is the um, uh, the principal and the pauper is where the decline begins. Really? The, one, the one with Armin Tamzarian, like the reveal that Principal Skinner was never actually Principal Skinner because uh. it suddenly shat on everything you thought of. And, and treated it like it was flippant and like plot of the week. I think my girlfriend finally checked out of the Simpsons. She quite likes the Simpsons. She finally checked out of it when um, there was an episode about how Moe's Bar Rag became Moe's Bar Rag. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But Planet of the Apes was something they used to like. How many specials like the one with the collector, for example, like you got Doctor Who references and yeah, yeah. references like there's one of the apes is like in one of the, the you know, shrink wraps and everything. Like they, they, they would, they, they lovingly pastiche it. And then as I grew up, uh, sort of late kid into early teens, like my, my dad specifically started to get me to the Mel Brooks movies. And of course, Spaceballs 
<laughs> the ending of Spaceballs parodies the ending of Planet of the Apes. Um, for those listeners too young to genuinely know what we're talking about, because I wouldn't be surprised if a few of you genuinely had no idea. The main story of Planet of the Apes is Charlton Heston's, uh, Charlton Heston's astronaut character like crash lands on a planet after being in stasis and is shuttle for a while. And he lands on the planet and is immediately captured by like apes on horseback. And essentially, this is a planet where the dominant species are simian. Like, they're all, they're, they're, they're ape people in armour with cultures and an empire and, you know, armies and, and hierarchy and all this. And they keep as pets slash slaves these sort of humans. Like, these really, you know, sort of dumbed down humans. They're like cave people. Like, they look, you know, they don't look like cavemen and cave women. Like, they've not got, you know, the, the, the features, but... They can't really speak. They can't yeah. really speak. And they're essentially you know, like, the human version of what we see monkeys as. Yeah. Like, there's intelligence there, but, you know, they're, they're limited to certain functions and everything, and and he basically sort of leads a mini-revolution and manages to get them out of there after sort of tangling with the inner workings. Well, he at least escapes with Nova, anyway. Yeah, by the end, and you're like, oh my god, they got out. Okay, this, this, like, oh, the film's coming to an end, I wonder how it's going to end. And as they hit the beach... For some uh, R&R, a little bit of sun. Uh, he sees protruding out of the sands, like, the arm, and the, the raised torch arm and part of the head, the crown, of the Statue of Liberty. It's such a famous twist ending that at least one version of the DVD has it as its cover. Yeah, which is so stupid. Yeah, yeah. It's so stupid. Now, the thing is, I knew about that twist ending before I ever saw the movie. I think most people again, do now, cultural yeah. Because, osmosis, it's I see dead. It's the I see dead people of the 60s. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Um, and it, it, it's 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 the, no, I am your father of yeah. the 60s. And it's, it's really freaking stupid that it's ruined, because I'm sure there'll be people who wouldn't know. Apologies if you'd never seen it and you were going to watch it, but you kind of need to know about it if you're going to proceed to listen to what we're going to talk about. But it's like, because it, there's other subtle hints, isn't there, in the film about there being a prehistory and everything so, on yeah. the planet that been, It's on. been so long since and, I've and watched you, any of the And humans having had a higher place in society and stuff in the past and yeah. all this. Um, until one day they you know, like stop talking probably and all this stuff. And you suddenly realise at the end of the movie, no, he wasn't, he hasn't landed on a distant planet. He's landed back home. He's been in stasis for so long. That when he's crash landed back on yeah. Earth, it's been like three hundred years. Longer than that. Like longer than that, and shit has changed. Yeah, and I don't think it's explained in that first or even the second or third. Like, really, what's happened? Um, you just assume that it's kind of like an evolutionary reversal. Like, apes have started to evolve and have surpassed us, and we've devolved. I think he assumes that it's been some kind of there's been some kind of nuclear war. Well, because at the end he goes, you blew it up. Yeah, and, like, you, and then you find out in the sequel that there was indeed a nuclear war. But because that wasn't the main, like that was a big contributing factor. Yeah, but that wasn't why the ape kind started and no, no. the human human kind started to devolve. Because in uh, it's the last two, isn't it? Conquest and battle. Conquest and battle. Yeah. Uh, Caesar, who is one of the ape characters, ends up. I'm sure it's Caesar in that one. It's Caesar. Yeah. Who get ready for this? Yeah. Is the son? Yeah. Of a couple. Yeah. Who escaped on yeah. Taylor's ship? Yeah. In the first film. Yeah. They escaped from the planet during the second film mm-hmm. and went back in time. Yeah. To be four 
apes started becoming intelligent. Yeah. Roughly to in like the sort of film. like the seventies, eighties yeah. kind yeah. of setting. Yeah. Um, and their son Caesar yeah. then goes on to lead the ape uprising after yeah. humanity's population is decimated and they start using apes as slave labor. All played by Malcolm McDowell as well throughout those movies yeah. as well. And then um, in the and then in battle then it's like the the, the it's the turning of the, of the tide. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in those after movies, man, after man has more or less been wiped out. And I remember the first time I heard about that, I was like, "That's ridiculous! Why is there time travel halfway through the series?" And then I remembered the series opens with it time opened, yeah, travel. Yeah, it opens with time travel. Like it opens with time travel happening in the right order. Because, like it's there's someone being yeah. asleep for ages and then waking up. But it's about time travel. But then also, so that like, makes sense. The second movie ends with that planet being destroyed. Yeah. And then it goes back to the beginning at the end of battle. Yeah. Leading into what will become Planet of the Apes, but then yeah. there's the suggestion that hopefully they can do it differently this time around. Yeah. So basically, planet covered in apes, and you find out, like, throughout the course of it, that they caused it through a time travel paradox. So when they said that Planet of the Apes happens in 2001, a lot of bullshit, like we said, visually impressive, really dumb. Um, Especially the ending. Their attempt to sort of provide a different twist is so stupid. Oh, yeah. Because the twist, the twist is an attempt to also remake the time travel plot from the rest of the series. Because it's like him and another one are racing back in time. And the other, the the ape obviously got there first and earlier in the time stream. Because when Marky Mark gets back, apes are already in charge in his day and age. It's just so stupid. Um, the there is memorial a memorial crap, which in itself was a ripoff of a Jane Silent Bob oh, comic. Oh my god! Anyone oh, who knows me uh, knows that I would never read a comic, especially not one written by Kevin Smith. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, is uh, pretty obvious because of fucking Batman. <laughs> um, uh, oh, but no, even with Kevin Smith, watch it. It's fucking fascinating. There's a, there's um, a different, there's a different twist ending in the book. Right. Oh, hit so me. in the book, this is uh, Les Planet of Le, 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 Le Planet de Le, um, Le Planet Le Planet des Songes, Songe. which is the Monkey Planet. Okay. Uh, in in French, um, not Planet of the Apes. Um, Songe's monkey. Um, so the framing device in the book yeah. is two scientists finding the story in a message as a message in a bottle in space. Okay. And at the end of the framing device. So at the end of the story, yeah. he escapes from the planet and returns to Earth. But during the time, during the time it's taken to get back, Earth's been taken over by apes as well. So it's not the same planet. Oh, so it's like a twin planet. Yeah, and the same the history's repeating itself back on Earth. Well, it's not. It's not that he. Um. He's not on Earth. Yeah, like the planet of the apes in the book, the Monkey Planet, is a different planet. Yeah, but by the time he's got back home, the same events that happened on that planet have happened. On Earth. Yeah. In, in the sense that, like, you know, uh, apes have become the dominant species and, and overridden humanity. However, oh. the scientists reading the story are then revealed to be apes themselves. Ah, oh, because of course, like, unless they tell you that, you're not, you're not going to know. And you? after they finish it, they, as I, I quote, they scoff at the notion that a human would ever be that intelligent. Oh, oh so there's still a twist in the book, but it's a different twist. That's brilliant. Yeah. So the series sort of kind of has a reputation for having big twists and everything then, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a part of the, the DNA of the series, if you will. And, you know, it's not really something that's been carried over into the modern reboot yeah, trilogy. Yeah, now. Because they're basically telling a straight-up origin of what I guess is going to be 
Well, that's the thing. If you'd never seen any of the sequels, but you knew about the main story of Planet of the Apes, watching Rise of the Planet of the Apes, you'd be like, oh, so this is how it starts. But But here's the thing. It isn't a prequel to Planet of the Apes. Even though it was... Like, that was they what it do, was when it they started. They do mention oh, yeah, the well, astronauts. They, they set up. up Planet of the Apes, but this isn't a prequel to the original Planet of the Apes. No, it's clearly a new continuity. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was... I think the script originally wasn't a Planet of the Apes prequel. It was, it was always referred to as a prequel to Planet of the Apes. Like, they kept calling it a prequel to Planet of the Apes and... And everything, and it, it was that sort of belief of like, are we doing a James Bond where it's just like? No, I think when the script was originally in development, like it was originally a st- different script, yeah, which then was retooled into a Planet of the Apes prequel. Oh, okay. I, I, I so could it, be it, wrong it about been, that. It was going to be about uh, probably what happens in the end credits. It was going to be about like a, a carrier and a disease that I I, I, I don't know. Spreads. Like I'm, I'm sure I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm double checking that, but carry on. So uh, it comes out, and it, it's sort of. I, it was it was done as a prequel in that it, you know the, the mid the mid to late two thousand uh, the mid to late two thousands and early twenty tens we still didn't really all get the notion of a redo like it only happened a couple of times before in cinema uh, Batman Begins was one um, Casino Royale yeah. was another like this is Bond but this time this is we're scrapping everything everything else has happened. Hasn't it happened. was the early to mid 2000s, which you then throw out the window with Skyfall. Um, well, sort and then of. Throw away, and then throw back in the window with Spectre. Yeah, well, I think Skyfall, Skyfall sort of got away with it because it was, it was more cheeky nods to the and franchise. It was, it was an anniversary movie, I guess, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, so the most ironic part, uh, so the first script wasn't written as a Planet, as of, Planet of the Apes movie. Prequel, yeah. It was like a, a, a sort of a sci-fi horror movie about the dangers of people raising apes as pets. And like, okay. who became, what will become Caesar was like an evil and so, an evil ape and talked in sign language and was like... I'm so people, glad that they changed that because that character's a lot better for it. People raising apes as pets and then those pets turning on them. Okay. So it wasn't a Planet of the Apes movie at all. It was just apes. And then at some point the up. studio have gone, hang on, hang we on. have the rights to the Planet of the Apes franchise. Let's make this uh, Planet of the Apes prequel and retooled it into... What became Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And the, uh, what's it? The script writers are probably like, No! Don't! Leave our baby alone! And it's turned into a really solid trilogy of movies, so don't worry that, about it. That son. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was really good. It was And I was good. really, I was, um, I was sceptical about it. Mm. Did we see it together? We might have done. Not Rise. No, we didn't see any of them together at all, thing. I don't think. Oh, for some reason. I know. Yeah, we might not have done because our, our cinema of choice was sorry. Our cinema of choice was um was the one in Hammersmith, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I saw it at the View in Westfield. So now we. we, we oh no! If we saw it at the View, we might have seen it together. You think? Cause yeah. It was, it was like early summer 2011, wasn't it? So I would have been living in Shepherd's Bush. Yeah. No. No. What? <laughs> Maybe. When, when was it? When was the release? What? Uh, 2011. No, no. Uh, what month? Do we have a? It would have been a summer movie. Yeah. Yes, it would have been early summer, so I was still living in London. So we might have seen it together. But we I might have seen it together, yeah. I just remember with that one going in thinking like, oh, I'm curious more than anything. Like, I like Andy Serkis. I like mm-hmm. what he's done with, with performance capture. And I, I'm i intrigued to see him play. Because the trailer sort of made it, very much made it out to be that there was going to be kind of a chaos element in the movie. But Caesar wasn't it. Like, the yeah. trailers did make a big point of being like, 
Yeah. No, Caesar is a is a very sort of um, quiet performance. So I was like, I'm interested to see what goes on with this. Uh, I had no expectations. I came out absolutely adoring it. I mm-hmm. really like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, like I pre-ordered it like not long before its its Blu-ray release. So I was like, I want to watch that again. Yeah. And I think I watched it on a flight as well. Later we watched it on a flight. So I was like, I just, I want to watch it again. Well, I've got the option now. I'm going to do it. Um, it's a great movie. So it's a, the basic premise is James Franco's character is a scientist who's working with sort of the 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 kindest possible sort of form of animal testing like yeah. his his guys take the the approach of making sure that the animal that they work with is completely comfortable with everything that's happening they're not fed a bunch of drugs they're not you find out that some of that stuff's happening in the company because yeah. trials are being forced into quicker like uh, I believe it's stuff. like he eventually breaks off from that company because of all that shit that's happening. Yeah, because he finds yeah. out that things are a lot more sinister than he signed on for. Because the, the work he's doing isn't about chemical uh, stuff and, and cosmetics or anything like that. The work he's doing is working on brain patterns and brain development. Well, he's trying to cure his father's Alzheimer's. He's trying yeah. to find a cure or at least uh, like a holdback for the escalation of, of Alzheimer's. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. My favourite performance in the movie. I mean, Circus is... Circus steals Circus the movie, is, yeah, yeah. But John Lithgow's performance in the movie is one of my favorite things about it, yeah, it's because great. it's heartbreaking yeah. to watch. Um, and Franco's great in it as well. Like, I'm Franco not, I'm not a, great... a massive James Franco. As guy. much as we joke about James Franco and, and, he and what does he smells look like, like. He smells, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I wish I knew what he smelled like. <laughs> um, he is James Franco's pretty fucking good. Like weed, weed and success, weed and success, and maybe a bit of piss. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're in an academia. Yeah, that's that's what. Old um, dusty library books and slightly newer library books that have been dipped in piss. <laughs> as much as we rib on James Franco, I do like him as a as a as a performer. Yeah, and I'm really yeah. looking forward to the disaster artist. Um, <laughs> line. What is line? What is line? <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's great in this. It's it's full of great actors and because that's the thing it's just a personal story for them but it the the, the joy of of the performances is seeing things through caesar's eyes yeah like caesar learns about the world and about family and about the harsh terrifying reality of of like you know nature in in you know as a part of humanity like the idea that like because isn't like they walk oh my god it's so weird to think having just seen the third one what caesar is like in the first Mm -hmm. like they they take him for walks and stuff like and and let him off you know he's sort of on like a like a, a toddler's like tether and they let him off and he goes off into the trees and exercises and everything gets to like play and be himself and all this stuff and, but at the same time, like, he's well-trained in, in human habits and that. Like, he knows how to put a seatbelt on and get in a car and all these sort of things. Because like, like the drugs are making him more intelligent. And, yeah, the, the things he's testing with, he's, he is getting smarter and, and more responsive. And John Lithgow and him have quite a nice relationship. Yeah. Because uh, he, he sort of feels nurturing. He wants to look after uh, John Lithgow's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he clearly loves Franco. And they have this beautiful... I'm going to bring this up now because I'm going to bring it up again for war. There's this beautiful little thing. It's basically like symbol of trust that they have where Caesar puts out his hand and Franco like sort of rubs the palm with two fingers and they, they do that to each other as sort of like a sign of 
are you all right? Yes. Like, yeah. you know, come with me. I trust you. Like that kind of well, thing. Well, they teach him sign language. He yeah. Becomes, he becomes fluent in sign language. Yeah. And, and um, which again, like as an actor as well, that's so freaking impressive. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you think about the difficulties of learning lines, but like, yeah, for this role, you've got to learn, if not just the stuff we need you to sign, you have to get a basic grasp of the entirety of sign language so that yeah. you look like you can naturally do sign language without having thought about it too much. Um, so there's a lot that goes into these parts, but like the harshness of like him being taken away and put into basically like a, an ape sanctuary where they're just treated like shit. They're treated like um, sort of abused farm animals. Tortured by Draco Malfoy. Yeah, and Brian Cox running this facility oh, where, where Draco Cox. Malfoy spouts lines from the original movie. And... <laughs> so Tom Felton does a damn good job damn dirty trying job. to make those lines work yeah. but it's just too difficult it feels like they're going mm, box ticked we have reference to the franchise get your mouth around these lines they're really impossible to make sound good but get your mouth around them anyway just just, just heston them just be like yeah it's get a man house <laughs> take your turns off me you damn dirty ape what's beautiful about that moment is they then completely trump it by giving the film its first like that's a rise of the planet of the apes moment moment yeah when he just goes no and he goes, oh. speaks like you shit yourself it's like an hour and 40 minutes in and suddenly caesar says a word and let's, like, oh my let's, god and, and, no, no let us not forget mm. apes can't speak english yeah not because they're not inte- like real life apes mm. are probably intelligent enough to learn English because a lot of them are intelligent enough to learn sign language. Mm. It's, they can't not they can't, sp- speak, can't speak English it. because of their vocal cords. So Caesar has developed a way of doing it, and as the films go on, we learn that some apes are able to start to grasp it as well. Well, it, uh, over time, it. Well, <clears throat> so do the they make do they film, make reference to it like changing physiology? The third film. So let's jump ahead to to war for a moment. Yeah, okay. um, let's dip a toe in war before we we round up rise. Yeah, because it'll explain because it might help to explain. I feel us. like we should say these words, and then when we say them, they should fade and then come back up in red font. Yes, and then fade away again. Um, <laughs> that was so dumb but brilliant. Just, you know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> another it, dumb but brilliant moment. So what happens in? So basically, the end of the rise of Planet of the Apes is a virus based yeah. on the Alzheimer drugs that, that that made the apes smart that starts to kill people. Yeah, which is done during the credits. I mean, that's a bold yeah. move. And it's, the movie's like, our story is about Caesar and his relationships. Well, one of the and scientists, off he goes with the freed apes from the facility, and they're in the forest, and they're fine. Well, one of the scientists gets infected during the movie, and you yeah. see him get sick and yeah. die. And then the credits is, oh, by the way, P.S., it starts you're spreading, all yeah. gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, they remake Contagion over the end credits. So... <laughs> And then in, in Still a War, contagion. which is the latest movie, it's yeah. discovered that the virus mutated again mm. and it started robbing humans their ability to speak. Like it's, so it's you could, reversing, regressing yeah. their biological um, sort of progression. So you could infer from that that it does change the structure of your vocal cords. Mm. So it enhances them for apes and, and, and diminishes them. Yeah, although it's taken a while for it to happen to humans. Yeah. Like it's sort of the, there's a because in the second film you find out what the effects of the virus were like for a lot of like people just died. It was yeah, and others you see beca- it in, other, others became sick and their immune system was affected and stuff. You see it in Rise, it's like it's hemorrhaging from Ibrahim. It's basically a really yeah. nasty sort of like mm. hemorrhagic fever slash flu. They call yeah. it a simian flu. Yeah. Um, uh, so 
We just got a laugh in the cinema the other day when that came up with the subtitles at the beginning. People were like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, no, that's what it's called. Simeon flu. It just sounds um, silly. It sounds silly. Uh, um, so, but, yeah. but then in the third one, there's also... The Woody Harrelson general character seems to believe that it's robbed you of your higher faculties. Mm. But then from what we see of the humans who've lost the ability to speak, that doesn't necessarily ring true. Like, it's possible that it... it, it makes you less cognitive but nova but, clearly lear- starts to learn sign language and he's yeah. clearly switched on up up top yeah um like so... she's she's she she's she has regressed to a point but other things have advanced yeah and with um, the blood from the mouth that they mm. get from it it seems to imply that it's a physical change to the vocal cords rather than a mental cognitive change that that loses them. That then again, removes though, their grasp of language. Then again, maybe it does affect the brain at first, like maybe. as part of the initial sort of sickness. Yeah, yeah. Because Nova's the only character we see in the third one who does live beyond a few hours. Like yeah. when we meet her, she's yeah. obviously had it for a while yeah. because she's basically been kept in quarantine under the watch of one soldier. Yeah. Um. Probably because he's been told to kill her, and he. Because we never find out really what happened there, but no, I, I no. assume that maybe he'd been told to kill her and went rogue, and then just he definitely deserted out from the unit. Yeah, because he's not in his military yeah. gear. He's, he's armed, but he's not in his military gear. But he's got the tap. Yeah. The so he's, he's obviously decided, no, I'm going to. That's a little girl. I'm going to look after her. Yeah. Um, whereas the other characters that we see with it all die shortly after it starts to affect them, and they do seem to be a bit stunned. Like the soldier who's dying in the snow doesn't seem to be. You know, I'm not saying like he seems to be thick, but he. He's obviously not in a position where we can really tell. Yeah, because he's then, been shot. But then, yeah. Again, spoilers for War for the Planet of the Apes if you hadn't figured out. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the colonel at the end of the movie, yeah. he does seem to have sort of mentally regressed a bit. Like, you can see the pain on his face. I, think, and, and, I don't and, think... I and, the, and the fear that this has happened to him. I didn't feel and, that and the willingness so to, oh, no. much as it, as, this, as it was frustration. Yeah, well, I don't know, because I, I think the way they show him, the first thing you see him doing at that moment is, like, trying to grab the bottle yeah and it does look like he's not quite physically able to maybe, maybe. at first i was like is he drunk he's and definitely drunk yeah but but then i was wondering whether or not it's more like oh god no maybe because it, it might be temporary it might just be that at first you're like oh it, it just overwhelms Disorienting, you yeah. and then obviously it settles in because it look it's obvious that it doesn't kill you yeah like it isn't yeah, killing yeah. them anymore it's just fucking with them but also the system because everyone has like a profuse nosebleed at first, so that would probably screw with your head a bit, and then you kind of level out. Because because Nova is a bit, she's also di- a child, she's distant, but she's also a child, yeah. and she also feels like no one's like on her side. And then obviously she she becomes part of the family. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get back to Nova and the, and the human stuff. Um, yeah, in a bit. But so it's so a Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Like Franco's character is put in a really difficult position and and everything and. But there's a mass breakout organized, and one of the apes, which is genuinely being abused, like he, he's the sort of the one who they kind of kick around and everything. It's Cobra. Cobra, who I didn't realize isn't played by Toby Kelly. Not in the first one, one. no. Uh, because Cobra's only really in a few moments in the first yeah, film. Yeah, not, not a big Although he gets that really freaking terrifying bit where the like the CEO guy's in the helicopter and it's dangling off the side of the bridge. It's just a big trailer shot of him like grabbing the helicopter. Yeah, yeah and Cobra just like pushes it and lets the guy die because he's like that's the that's the man in charge of the people who've been hurting me fuck you like it, <laughs> it, it makes complete sense 
But that's, I remember on um, Smogcast they described it once, that first film, it's not really a rise of the planet of the apes, it's more a rise of a group of unruly apes on, yeah. a, on a bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, originally it was just called, I remember when the first trailer started coming out, it was just called Rise of the Apes. I remember that too, because yeah. when it first came out I was very surprised but then again, it was called Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Like, I'm sure this was just called Rise of the Apes. Yeah, I think, I think, they, I think the... Uh... It's the franchise. They, they, it's the, it's the franchise. The studio was nervous, mm. I think, about people not realizing it was a Planet of the Apes movie. Um, so I mean, it's using the font structure and everything. Like the the, the the reboot series has kept like the the very famous font and title layout of the original movies. Yeah. Um, but Rise of the Planet of the Apes, like it's if you if you in the style of Superman Returns, if you didn't like with the, where that is a sequel technically to Superman Two, if you hadn't any knowledge of the Planet of the Apes movies after the first one, this could very easily be a prequel to the first one. Because oh, yeah. Because yeah, the yeah. shuttle launches in the news. Yeah. So, like, they establish that and everything. And that's just, like, little background information that the shot lingers on it for just a moment longer than it would normally, just to let you know, hey, guess what? Hey. That's Charlton Heston's character going over in space. It's um, Taylor. It's Taylor. Ah. Uh, and the news. It's a madhouse. <laughs> um, great movie. Really freaking enjoyable. Not the horror sci-fi movie that was pitched originally, I guess. Well, that wasn't a Planet H movie, yeah. But it's not a horror. Like there are some scary moments in it. But it's very much, and I think this. Yeah, I think, it turns out massive, powerful apes are pretty terrifying. Yeah, but when they're pissed, the off. film isn't played as a. Oh my god! It's I think especially the first and third. These movies are above every anything else. They're a character study. Piece. Yeah, that's what. So the second one too, but the second one is a bit more action oriented. I think that's why they've had a bit of appeal out and success outside of the normal genre fandom. Yeah, like, they've been yeah because these just, are movies that like people don't these aren't tentpole blockbusters like they aren't ranted and raved and praised to high heaven like by the masses but they do business like they do big business so obviously there is a movie going audience out out there going we really like these movies yeah what there's a sequel let's go see it and see it they did i didn't see dawn of the planet of the apes in cinemas i caught it on blu-ray i saw it in cinemas what would that like first time what, how are you feeling going into that one because with me i just circumstances meant i just missed it it was 2014 um, wasn't it that one Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I missed it and I just I pre-ordered the Blu-ray as soon as the pre-order came up because I was like I want to watch that. I was feeling pretty optimistic about it. Like I I remember really enjoying Rise and I'd seen the trailers and yeah, it I was like yeah, this is going to be pretty good. Because Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was the trailer with uh, with the 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 imagery for the movie was very much it was like Caesar and 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 other apes like with sort of face paint. Yeah, yeah, sort of tribal markings, sort of the skull kind of mouth and everything, which which makes a, a sort of a brief appearance at the start of the third one as well yeah um yeah i remember that and i remember the three apes featured a lot on the marketing were caesar obviously yeah uh, maurice who is again an unsung hero of this series is the big orangutan yeah um with the big, big old wide face very gentle very slow yeah he, he's the he's the he, he's the right hand man to he's the, the to wise man of the tribe yeah in the first say. movie he's just this really nice feature of it yeah by the second movie he's very much established um, Maurice was in the marketing a lot and there were a shit ton of like posters and stuff of Cobra and that was freaky because you're looking at the thing and you're like oh my god that's Caesar and he looks so stern and oh I hope it my my feelings were 
hope he's all right. Yeah. Like, I hope Caesar's okay. Caesar doesn't deserve to be unhappy. He looks really angry and scared. Like, I hope he's all right. Maurice, yeah, it's that big cuddly orangutan. Can't wait to see him again. Oh, shit, it's the terrifying one from the bridge. Um, this movie, I think, is the only one out of the three that is kind of a, a, a sci-fi action-adventure movie in that it has a very clear good guy, bad guy, and those caught in between. And it's not the bad guy you'd expect. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's not... There is a human uprising. Yeah, there's, there's Gary a Oldman. resistance fighters. I think Gary Oldman's like the leader of a lot of a group of survivors. Yeah, and, and basic and so he and they want to restore power to their settlement, but the dam's in the middle of the apes' territory, so they kind of have to work with the apes. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of expect the friction to come from there. Yeah, like and, he, and the way like, it's oh, played, apes. especially with Oldman's character, yeah. it could be either way. It yeah. could be that the apes we got to know in the last movie are the villains of this piece. Yeah. and Because Gary Oldman's character is definitely a peaceful person who does not want conflict. Yeah, he just wants to leave them alone. Yeah. Uh, the only reason that they have to talk to the apes is because they, they need to get to them. And they do play that first like scene where he's kind of with them yeah. as like, oh my God, like they're the villain. Mm. But no, they're him too. They it's... just look scarier and they're trying to back people the hell away. And, it, the, you know, the actual the villain of the piece re- it turns out to be Cobra. Yeah. Um... And yeah, the, the, the him, and it's one of the great things about the series is it, it shows us how closely the apes mirror us. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. People it, with different it, ideologies. Yeah, and it's uh, his distrust of, too of people because he was abused by people. Mm. His distrust of humans that leads him to sort of play off yeah. the, the, the Caesar and then the humans against each other. And then, yeah. Well, I said, it's like a- apes not... Was it apes not kill apes? Is what he says. Yeah, and it's like that's very true. And and I think Caesar backs up the rhetoric as well. But then like Cobra turns it around. It's be like apes not kill apes, but yeah, <laughs> apes can kill people. And it's like oh shit. There's that haunting freaking scene in that movie where Cobra basically goes into the edges of the human settlement where they do have armed guards. Yeah, and he just plays. Like daftly, daftly, monkey, monkey. Like yeah. he just shows up, yeah, and it's yeah. this—it's eerie because you know what he's like. Suddenly, he's acting like a circus monkey. He's like sort of banding around and sort of doing the silly tricks. Yeah, and it is yeah. really kind of like it's a very funny performance, but it's so sinister because you're like, oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? Yeah, he's clearly Why is he doing this. As soon as they get near, he freaking yeah. murders the living shit out of them and then takes their guns. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Lou is, yeah. Um, she really doesn't like apes, chimpanzees in particular. They freak her out. She's okay with the first, it took her a while to watch the first movie, but she did. And she was like, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. It's a good movie. She watched this one with me the first time I watched it. And she's like, I'm never watching that movie again. Ooh. I was like, really? She was like, yeah, that was terrifying. And it's, Cobra is the main problem. Yeah, he is. He's a nasty piece of work. Um, I'm still trying to convince her to come and see the third one because I think I think she would be fine with the third one. Um, uh, yeah, because there aren't any, but there aren't any bad apes. With the third one, but yeah, like just the second one. It's a tense finish, and it basically ends with the hero versus villain moment where Caesar has to make a choice. And he fights off Cobra and mm-hmm. allows him 
to die. Like, I think he offers him a hand at the end, doesn't he, and whatnot, but, like, it's this whole, this is probably for the best. So, Cobra, Cobra dies at, you know, Caesar's hands. Yeah. And the movie sort of ends in this awkward place where the humans are unsure of their future, but at least this settlement know, like, you know, if we leave them alone, we'll be okay. Yeah. Then we get the third movie. The third movie sort of suggests that no. No. Humans aren't okay, and it's not because of the what the apes are doing, it's because of what's already in motion. Yeah. So, we get to War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, what I thought was interesting is James Franco's character is touched on in the second one and is seen flashback. Yeah. He finds a video for you. But it's not... Yeah, well, he goes back to his house, doesn't he? Yeah. Because that beautiful... It's a mirrored shot of him sat, like, on the bed with the the big circle window. Yeah. yeah. It's all smashed and overgrown. And it's just really, like, odd and poignant. Because Matt Reeves only directed the second and third one. Yes. So he didn't direct the first one, but he recreates some of the shots from the first one in the attic. Yeah. So you kind of... Your brain instantly goes, Oh my God, this is where he was in the last one. And there was those lovely scenes where he was really happy and... Oh my god, it's horrible. No. But like, there's no thing of Caesar's... Caesar realises that he's never going to see them again. Yeah. So that doesn't mo- motivate him going forward. Going forward, he just wants to protect the apes. Caesar noticeably ages over the three films. Oh yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what the time frame is, but I'd, I'd say probably about 20 years. Uh, maybe more. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, um, it's, it's Enough it's, for him to have it's had two children. The films, enough, yeah. for, enough for him to have had two children. Um, and enough for him to have seen some shit. But obviously, by the second film, Caesar's vocabulary has expanded. Caesar is like sort of seventy percent talking like a human being in the second one. The third one, yeah. he's pretty much like talking is how he communicates. He still signs a lot of the apes sign, like very few of the, of the apes, apes have, talk. Yeah, not many of them do. I mean, and even some that do don't like maurice yeah. i think can talk he can talk and i'm sure he talks in the second one at one point briefly yeah as well but he doesn't he but he chooses not just signs yeah i imagine it's i would imagine it's probably quite painful and difficult yeah like caesar's the, the one who's had the, yeah. sort of the changing ability the changing in his like makeup and everything long enough so it's something he can do until you meet bad ape oh <gasps> Oh, bad ape. Okay. Who they discover has had the bit uh, is very very mm. vocal, and but with him he sort yeah. of learnt, like because of being I surrounded. I think by it's him. also implied that. Well, I mean, it's clearly the flu has changed him and made him more mm. intelligent, and but clearly it's it's also mutated him in the way that he's able to speak now. Yeah, I I think I think with him it's um <clears throat> it, might, be- it might have been full because I think there's there's an implication that. Emotion does affect the, the disease in in ways. And he was, with him, he was terrified. He was, and he was clearly abused. Yeah, as a, as a it was a zoo, it was a zoo animal. And well, once once nice the, once once the simian flu broke out, yeah, the moment any of the apes in his enclosure showed signs of changing themselves, yeah, like obviously certain staff because part of the simian flu was a load of people died. Oh yeah. And everyone else left alive was like, oh my god, like we're immune to it, but what the hell is going to happen now? And there was obviously the reports of the apes rising up in the first one. So, by the sound of it, Bad Ape started to change, and the other apes in his enclosure started to change. And the moment any of them showed a sign of it, they were killed. Because mm-hmm. I think he meant, he says, like, he, he kept quiet, but he listened. And that's how he's learned to speak. Yeah. 
So it's probably like after hours, like when no one's there anymore, he's probably talking to himself and practicing and, and, and getting there. And he thinks his name's Bad Ape because that's what they called him. Yeah. Um, although he seems to he seems to realize that that's not his name, but he's accepted it. Yeah. Like he's, he's picked it. Um, so yes, yeah, so the plot of the third one basically is it's later on from dawn. Um, you, we don't really know what the rest of humanity's like, but in this part of the world, which is sort of on the Canadian border, I think it, it is. It's implied to be around that area, yeah. It, it, it's We know that there are military factions going on. And as we learn in this movie, one of them in particular that is like killing people and apparently other military factions. Well, it seems that... It, it seems at first like they're, they're planning an assault on the apes. This might be all that's left. <clears throat> Although, yeah, toward the end, I think there's more implication that, no, there's more, but they're scattered. Like, yeah. it's not like you've got cities full of people This is anymore. the last, like, organised military government and, like... Yeah, also we think. Also we think, yeah. but then, like, yeah. they're a splinter of that faction. Yeah. But, like, the, the, the government in, well, I would assume Canada, mm. is probably the last sort of organised human government. Let's, we no need to kill the apes, eh? We'll uh, sit them down, have some poutine, and uh, talk it out. But can they talk anymore, though? Oh, oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> um, sign language can save the world. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's true now. But some uh, some of this military group are sent in to specifically to kill Caesar. Uh, the belief being that if they take Caesar out, the apes won't know what the hell they're doing, and they'll be easier to pick off. Mm-hmm. But because Caesar is known to exist, there is an ape that is in charge of all the other apes and looks after them. Um, so this military group is sent in, and Caesar will apprehend them. And after a massive fight where a load of apes and a load of humans lose their lives, uh, three, three of the humans, four of the humans are kept alive, and a gorilla, which we'll get into in a second because that's <laughs> fucking fascinating what they've done with that. Um, four of the humans are kept alive. They're like. Tied up, put back on two of the horses, and sent back to the colonel. Yeah. Who is the one who's in charge of these strikes. And told, like, like, just tell him, I only want to protect the apes. Leave us alone. They're like, do you think it'll work? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. But, like, sending them back alive is my way of saying, I don't want to kill you. I don't want war. I don't want war. Caesar is so tired at this point. Yeah. He's worn. He's a father of two. So, naturally, as a parent, he's probably knackered, especially as the head what? of, like, the, the ape society who's trying to look after them all. I was just checking, apparently, it's 15... It, depending on... <laughs> <laughs> so, it's either 12 or 15 years between Rise and War. Mm-hmm. So, there's a 10-year gap between Rise and Dawn. Okay. And then Dawn... Uh, War is set two years after Dawn. Okay. But... Oh, the text in at the beginning of the movie is like it was fifteen years since Rise, so it contradicts That's itself. Right. So there's a bit of discrepancy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, I'm not sure every person in the continuity of the movies is going to be keeping a check of the calendar. Yeah, I d- I, it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> it's been it is some time. Uh, it's but, been... Well, I can imagine there's only a couple of years between Dawn and War Four, simply because his youngest Cornelius. It's a babby in it's Dawn, a babby, yeah. so would have been born like maybe still, a, a most like a year prior, and it's still like toddlerish, <laughs> yeah, or the ape equivalent of toddlerish in this. So it can't be more than a couple of years. But uh, uh, one final raid on their settlement leaves Caesar's wife and oldest born dead. 
Yeah. And he starts to snap. Like, peace is not on his mind anymore. He wants to kill the colonel. He goes full Ahab. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going out there, I'm going to kill him. Like, he wants me. Well, I'm going to send all of my people, I'm going to send all of my apes off in this direction, as far away from these military people as I can, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to kill him. And if I don't return, I don't return, but at least I tried to get rid of the one man who seems to be insistent on hurting me and my people. The way he seems to see it, he has a responsibility as a leader to keep them safe. Yeah. And... As far as he's yeah. concerned, the way to do that right now is to kill the colonel, yeah. the one giving the orders on the other end. So he's joined by Rocket, who is sort of a close member of his of his, his group. One of the original apes from the sanctuary. Yeah. Um, Luca, who's a gorilla, who's mm-hmm. in charge of um, his sort of soldiers. Like, Caesar does have a, a group of soldiers who are armed yeah. and, and have horses and basically patrol the territories to make sure no one comes in to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, Luca joins them and Maurice, because Maurice is like, I'm coming with you because I'm good. He's like, I might not come back. And he's like, that's why I'm coming with you. To make sure sure you do. do." And it's like, oh my God, I love these characters so much. They're a family. Yeah. Uh, That was the first bit where I started blubbing in this movie. Oh. Was it that bit where those three came to me and they're like, you're not going without us. Like, we are coming with you. Because I realised that Maurice could see that Caesar was going down a very dark path. Yeah. he Maurice knows that Caesar might have to kill the colonel. I don't think he's going to stop him doing that. No. But I think he's just making sure that he does that and then gets the fuck out of there and comes back. Nothing more. Come because home. Caesar has started having hallucinations, especially when he's dreaming of Coba. Yeah. Who is egging him on to kill. Like, keeps just taunting him with the whole kill. ape, not kill ape yeah thing and which is great because you can totally tell that it's toby kebble returned to the role oh yeah it's freaky as sin um freaky dicky dutch now the humans are accompanied by donkeys which has i know obviously it's about pack mules basically like they provide the weapons they carry the supplies yeah but it's got to also be a direct reference to donkey kong well yeah because considering they refer to caesar as king King Kong, kong yeah so that's such a weird thought that in a Planet of the Apes movie set in a post-apocalyptic it's, world, it's of its time. Donkey man. Kong is is referred to, but um, these these gorillas—they're mostly gorillas. I think there's a couple of apes, but they're mostly gorillas. Yeah, we find out were members of Caesar's like tribe. They were Cobra's group who yeah. agreed with Cobra. Yeah. Like they either fought for Cobra alongside Cobra or. After the events of the last movie, deserted, deserted yeah. because they were like, no, Cobra was right. So they've joined the humans because as far as they're concerned, at least this way, they'll be they'll stay alive for sure. Well. well which which is sort of the, the implication is they're doing it because they're like, this is the only way we can guarantee you will live. Like yeah, also yeah. we hate you, Caesar, so anything we can do to screw you over the better. The big Um so there's that. So that's a that's a fascinating idea as well, especially because yeah. one of them a uh, winter. Um, Winter defects. Defects in the yeah. movie. Um, and that's a frightening scene where they confront him in the camp. Um, Caesar accidentally kills him. T- I, I couldn't or is tell. Or he acci- accidental? I, I couldn't uh, tell if he, was, if he was out or dead. No, but dead. they linger the shot, so I was yeah. like, oh, he's got to be dead. Caesar's rage basically well, yeah. takes him over for a second. Yeah. He's trying to keep him quiet and he just goes too far and chokes him to death. <laughs> oh, God. But... Um, 
the thing is the movie's all about like it, it's completely about loyalty that's the in terms yeah. of the ape story yeah, yeah, it's about loyalty and, and and family and everything it's just apes together strong yeah raise your arms up boy it's just and it's it's illustrated the best when they find on the outskirts of the shoreline this like cabin and there's a guy there who's like I'm just going to put down the firewood and then he gets out his gun and they shoot him quickly and they see the tattoo and they realise he was part of the armed forces or as we thought possibly a defector or you know maybe he was out there to kill everybody he could find with the virus and he was going to come back like we don't know but there they find a young girl very young girl who like stains on her face like her nose has been bleeding yup and she can't speak and when she fir- they first meet her, she tries. Yeah. Which implies that maybe she's not really had anyone to talk to in a while, or or hasn't been you know given the chance to talk. And she, even she seems she seems sort of frightened that she can't talk. Not not frightened of Maurice, frightened that she can't speak. Mm. And the Maurice offers her like sort of this little stuffed toy, and shows her that I look, I mean you no harm. So wonderfully gentle. Maurice. It's beautifully done, and and like she keeps a. a an ornament from a car that they get from Bad Ape later and that's what dubs her Nova and by this point any fans of the original series are like yes this is a completely different series because yeah. that's not Nova in the original series this Caesar isn't Caesar in the original series no. like Cornelius isn't Cornelius in the original series Maurice is, in a, re- is a reference to another ape character yeah. like this is this uh, yeah this is a completely different series now um, but like Nova joins their group and it's Oh god, it's so beautifully told. The relationship between her and Maurice and, and sort of them sort of adopting her and forging a sort of new dynamic between humans and apes. Mm, like um, showing that a coexistence could work. Um, if only I guess the rest of humanity who at this point are panicked and afraid, had like the eyes of a child. Yeah. And could be open to it. Because she's not terrified with it. When they first come in, she's obviously a bit like, oh god, what the hell's going on? But then when, like, Maurice approaches her and is just sort of very, like, calm. And she does seem to forgive them rather quickly for what may be... Maybe her, what may have been a father. May have been a father, or... Yeah, I mean... Who knows? Who knows? Like, as far as she was concerned, even if he was, like, maybe sent out there to kill her, she probably did not know that. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't have had any idea. So, like, this was someone who's looking after her. Even if it's not a dad, like, it's someone who was taking care of her. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's enough to be kind of like, oh, God... But we find uh, soldiers that the colonel's troops in their movement from one camp to another have um, left for dead. Like they've shot yeah. them and they left them to die. <clears throat> and it's because they've had the nosebleeds and they can no longer talk. <clears throat> and as we learn later on, we meet the colonel, played by Woody Harrelson, doing his best sort of Colonel Kurt. Oh, he loves it, isn't um, Again, like the, the series' second villain. Like he's, he's a baddie. Um, but in the Shakespearean sense of like he's been through exactly what you've been through just a different way around yeah like you two have complete shared experiences but then there has been a path where you've diverted in different directions yeah due to your circumstances and the, the lot that life is throwing at you and and everything but like he you learn that basically he was a soldier people started to change and everything his son was one of them he he doesn't know what happens if these people he's frightened of what happens if these people stay alive like is it going to spread so they wipe out any trace of it they burn their belongings their clothes the bodies and then his son gets it and he shoots his son in the head and kills him 
and burns all of his belongings and erases all trace of him and that sort of liberates him as far as he's concerned. He's yeah. Like, I like, no oh. longer have to care, I just have to keep everyone who isn't sick alive. But he says it in a way where he's almost he's gone past the point of like, this is how humanity's gonna survive. I'm doing this because I have to save humanity. He's at the point now where he's like, I'm doing it because I'm I hate what you've done to us. Yeah. And I want to wipe out every it's trace almost of like, it. There's sort of a, a religious undertone to a lot of what yeah. is going on. So it's almost like he's he's, he's a zealot mm. in, in in some ways. It's really like you, you can't you you can't hate him entirely because, like, as far as he's concerned, the apes have suddenly developed a disease. Mm. It's killed off thousands of people, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people in one go. Millions of people have died, yep. and now people who haven't died are either dying because of like the way the world is, they're not able to like eat and sleep and find shelter and protect themselves. Yep. And now more people are dying, as far as he knows, because this disease is taking them over, so that before it spreads, he's having to have them killed. Or, you know, choosing to kill them. Yeah. So it's like, it's some serious shit. But you get where he's coming from. Like he's not Michael Keaton's vulture. He's not sympathetic. Who just took a wrong decision. <laughs> but like you get why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Too right. And it's it's horrible. And the soldiers that are clearly conflicted in what they're doing with him. Like the majority of them believe. But like the one of the guys who was spared at the beginning. Yeah. Is clearly in doubt of the colonel's like sanity not and everything. Not that in doubt, but though. not that in doubt because when push comes to shove, he's about to kill Caesar. Yeah, and ultimately he lands the killing blow. Yeah, because yeah. spoiler alert, motherfuckers, this is a trilogy. Yeah, and this trilogy, by the end of it, was about Caesar. Um, like he's sort of one of the players in part one. He's our bridge between part one and part two in part two. And part three is the Logan of the Planet of the Apes movies. Logan of the Planet of the Apes. I like that. Uh, in some places, almost beat for beat. Um, by sheer coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, oh, God. So, the, the camp, massive attack. Then the ape escape happens. Ha-ha. Hey! Take a shot for a PS1 game. Um, so, all that goes down. All those sequences were amazing. They meet Bad Ape along the way, who's been hiding out in a ski resort. Yeah. Um, who's another... And I think that was I think that was a narrative choice and everything, because they were like, we only have one character who talks. And yeah. he's not going to talk to these guys all the time. He's going to sign. Yeah. So we need another character who talks. So they made the choice of introducing Bad Ape. But Bad Ape was a great addition, because... And also wears clothes, which is another yes. little nod to the sort of like development of Ape. They're starting to change. Yeah. Like, he spent all that time around humans, so he's picked up speech. Mm-hmm. And he's also like, well, they dress in clothes, so I should probably dress in clothes. Yeah. Like, I, I, if I talk like them, I'll dress like them. And you're right, like, it starts the sort of the slow change. Um... But like Bad Ape was a great decision because obviously it means you get you find out what's been happening to domesticated unquote yeah. apes within you know like come on elder apes in captivity you find out what's been happening with them, um, but also comic relief in a very bleak movie, like his, yeah, his comic yeah. relief isn't distracting or jarring. There's like I think there's one gag I can't remember which one it was but there's one gag where he says something I'm just like I just pissed out I pissed myself laughing out loud. Because it came completely out of nowhere in a moment that was very serious. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it works. Because the first film has light moments. Hmm. Second film, not so much. Um, third one now has, again, because of like scenes with Maurice and Nova. 
and Bad Ape. It's it's, it's a very well balanced movie tone wise. Yeah, because it is bleak as shit. Oh yeah. When this movie ended, like there are some wonderful, gorgeous themes in it about loyalty and family, and you know, like what it means to do the right thing. But it's also a prisoner of war movie. Yeah. It's not the action movie the trailer's sold. No, at the, all. the action sequences happen and they're great. Yeah. But they are very few. Yeah. Um I mean the opening action set piece is grim. Yeah. Um uh, and, and all that stuff. But like I mean Caesar being like strung up and, and sort of made an example of and punished in front of the others, and it's just it's horrible to watch in places. Yeah. But then it's so inspiring when you see that no matter what... Because even after all this, their plan isn't right. We're going to rise up and murder all the people in this camp. They just their want plan escape. is, yeah. we're just going to get out. We're going to get out of here. And then Caesar makes the call at the end. He's like, no, I'm going to go and kill him. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill the colonel. Um, because first he tries to blow the camp up, doesn't he? Like, sort yeah. Of, um, the, the Red, I think, was the name of the ape, the donkey that... Um, no, no, he kills General and then goes to blow the camp up. Oh, he's already, oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't kill the general because he goes to kill the colonel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And colonel, and general. the colonel, in an ironic twist of fate, as the other... Because that's the thing he discovered, the army attacking the base, the army's, this soldier group's base, yeah. are from, like, the main, like, chunk of the military. Uh, it's like, implied that that's the last of the military. Yeah, oh, God. Or at least the last of their firepower. Yeah. Like, they've sent the last of the ones who can do something. Yeah. To sort this guy out because they're basically like, no, he's not running from the apes or planning to kill the apes. He's having them all build a wall and defenses because the rest of the military are like, you are a freaking murderer and a psychopath. You've got all these people following you. We're going to take you out. So on like the eve of war, when these forces arrive to take them down during the same time the apes have found a way to escape, mm-hmm. Caesar goes to kill the colonel. And an ironic twist of cruel fate, the colonel is slumped over his bunk, nose bleeding, unable to speak, fumbling, scared. And when he eventually grabs his gun, he doesn't even aim it at Caesar. He pulls the trigger into his own face. Yep. And it's like, oh, and it felt like such an anticlimactic ending for that character, but it felt poetically right. Yeah, like it wasn't. Is... It wasn't just. It wasn't justice. No, but it was like it had to go this way. Like you had to, you had to be felled by the thing you feared so much that you didn't even stop to understand it. You just took violent action. The themes in these movies, man. Yeah, in, uh, in these reboots in particular, the themes just like, oh my god. Um, so yeah, Caesar gets Caesar gets arrowed by um, arrow by one of the guys he spared at the start of the movie. Uh, Red, the uh, donkey ape who Caesar sort of talks around, grenade launches the hell out of that guy. Oh boy, does he! Spectacular. And then Caesar like starts blowing up the camp from the inside as best he can, but it's already pretty much screwed by this point by the invading forces. They manage to get over a border, like Logan. They arrive at a lakeside in the sun. It's the dawn of a new day. A lot. There's been a lot of loss, but everyone. Who made it from? I should the camp also point out alive. that after after this, an avalanche wipes out yeah. what's left of both the human military forces. Yeah, like completely crushes them, and the apes survive by climbing the trees in this wonderful sort of mirror again yeah. to the first movie. Like his thing when he's let off the leash in the national park is like climbing to the trees, and the first movie ends with them like in the trees and everything. I mean, that's what apes do. The parallels to the first movie, I mean, the symbol of trust. 
between him and, and Franco's character, yeah, like the yeah. hand thing, has got has evolved. It's become what Caesar's people do to show respect to their leader. Yeah, and not in a way. It doesn't feel like he's sort of enforced it. It feels like generation wise they've adopted it. Down. Yeah, yeah. Because it's that beautiful, like horrible shot. It's, it's really sad because of how scared everyone is and all the losses at the beginning when it's a POV shot from Caesar's POV when he arrives to talk to the soldiers they've captured from the attack and all the apes are just like parting and they're all like putting their arm out Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh god they all look so scared oh my god it's the hand thing from the first one oh it's it's insane but they get to they get to the lake and it's gorgeous day and as many of them as could have survived have have made it. Yeah. There have been losses, but people have survived. They have two new members of their group. They've got Bad Ape. And they've got um, Nova. Nova. Which, again, you can see this sowing the seed. Because obviously everybody familiar with the original movie is like, oh, in this version, this is how that begins. Like, mm-hmm. This is how we get like the herded humans. But maybe it starts off as a more friendly relationship and stuff because of this one girl. Which is very much... Taken from Battle of the Planet of the Apes. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's like, let's see how this goes. But then he sees them all there. They're safe. Maurice notices he's pretty much sees his pretty much mortal wound, and he says, "Like your son will know what you did for us. Like they all will know what you did." Because at first he's like, "We need to get you out." And he's like, "No, it's like it's too late." But I'm I, done. I, but he, he sort of, I, I don't. It's not these words, but he sort of says, "Like I'm happy." Yeah, they are safe. And he just sort of very quietly, not grand, no big operatic rise in the score. Like he just sort of just fades away, slips into consciousness, yeah. and his unconsciousness fades away. And the f- the film ends with this shot of the the rest of them moving on because they're all kind of taking a moment to breathe. And some of the children are running to like the water to play at the edge of the water, and and everyone's safe. And a couple of them, like as it's as the final shots, a couple of them have sort of turned around, noticing something's wrong, mm-hmm. and start to walk over. And the film ends, and you're like, "Oh god, done." And in my cinema, which was midweek summer holidays, mix of audience members from like young kids yeah. who were silent and paying attention the whole time, which is impressive, which is amazing. To um, apes will do that. To uh, to to older adults and everything. Like it was about a third full. I've never been in a cinema screen before, even even if the Logan. Where the reaction to everybody was just this weird, quiet. Yeah, it's like, I'm not like... quite sure how to feel. But there wasn't. Normally, you get that feel. You get the quiet in a film that was shite, and everyone's kind of like, "Oh well, I'm uh. disappointed now." Yeah, yeah, there was, yeah. There was just this air Too of right. like, Too right. everyone was taking it in. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, I love it. Where do we go from here? They've they have they have greenlit a fourth movie. It will not necessarily be a fourth one. In this series, but it's in this continuity. I think we were talking about this before we recorded. I think that the inevitable step is to skip time ahead and do Planet of the Apes. Yeah, because there's only so many movies you can make about the apes getting smarter and the humans getting dumber. Like now is the time, considering Caesar's stories at an end. Yeah, now's the time to skip ahead. But you can't do Planet of the Apes as was. You can't just remake no, the original. No, no, no. It wouldn't work in you've this got new to continuity. Do, yeah. You've got to do it from the POV of the ape society this time, completely. Well, obviously, you know, subplot with the human, but like the apes have to be the thingy. And I think you need to do it with the descendant of Caesar. Yeah. Like you need to have like older Cornelius or someone 
maybe not Cornelius because you know time wouldn't have changed that much. So well, you know, all the... thing, yeah, maybe. But you, you need to kind of do that and 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 whatnot um, because the twist you could still do a version of that scene, but it can't be the twist of the movie because everyone knows the twist. So you've got to kind of play it differently. Hmm. Um, but I'll say this. In terms of title, you can't call it Planet of the Apes because Planet of the Apes is the story of astronaut landing and everything. Take a leaf from the animated series, call it Return to the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because we're returning to the original concept of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. yeah. The astronaut is returning to the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. 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 And the series, again, like, is returning yeah. to what we originally associated it with go on i'd be more than i'd be more than happy if that if this series was dawn uh, rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes war for the planet of the apes and return to the planet of the apes that would be boss i would love that that'd be pretty pretty boss i'd love that but i love you oh. Do you know what else i love oh pickle rick <laughs> <laughs> so yeah a needle pulling thread we finally got episode three of this season of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Well, we finally first we finally got an answer of what the hell's going on with the Netflix. But we're getting because it just Saturday, before this episode yeah. landed, the like the next five or six appeared on the list uh, with the date. We get them the Saturday after they air in the states. So you remember when they said we get them straight after they've aired in the states? No, we get the last one straight before the next one airs in the states. Yeah, we get them six days after they air in the states. Dumb. So stupid. Although people do put them up on Facebook and, and YouTube immediately after the end of states. I've started avoiding um, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, I'm happy to on, wait on for them. Sunday nights, yeah. uh, Monday morning. We're doing a similar thing with Game of Thrones at the moment as well, because Game of Thrones has turned into a leaky fucking ship all of a sudden. Yeah, like I saw someone saying like they've seen the last episode of the series. It's like really mm-hmm. isn't it like two weeks away or something? But no, whatevs, trebs. Um, but yeah. Uh, Pickle Rick finally arrived, and we get it. We get it, America. We understand why you get all excited about it now. Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick. Um. <laughs> we'll spoil it in case you haven't seen it. Mm. But the basics are: um, Rick turns himself into a pickle. Yep. Um. And that's it. Like, that's 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 the drive of the episode. It becomes apparent very quickly he's done it to avoid family therapy. But Rick's turned himself into a pickle. He is he's a pickle. And then accidentally ends up down the sewer and has to develop a way to get, like, out. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Beth, Summer and Morty are having, like, the most wonderful therapy scene in television recent history. Simply because the therapist just goes with, like, yeah, you're, uh, you're, so you're, you're, Father is a pickle now. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Like, and you're like, wait, what? She's not questioning it. But also because it's Susan Sarandon voice in the therapist. Who's called that, Dr. Wong. That ther- <laughs> Racist name, by the way. <laughs> that therapist is completely stone-faced. Yeah. And she's also um, um, a coprophagia specialist. Yeah. If you know any of you who'd like to stop eating poop, pass them along my number. <laughs> I got Susan Sarandon to say that line. Um, so there's that but the best scene in it for me was when Rick got Pickle Rick sorry got Pickle washed Rick. down into the sewer and arrived in the sewer I was like right how the hell 
is he going to get out? Because he, ha- he can't move. He's conscious and he speaks. That's it. But he's a pickle. He's a pickle. So he's how, an actual pickle. How is he going to... And then he... Oh, God. Then he bites his lip. The brine <sighs> runs... Like, brine runs out like blood. Oh, yeah. A cockroach skitters over and he bites the cockroach's neck until he's choked it out. And then you hear a snap. Then he bites the top of the cockroach's head and peels it back. And then used his tongue to poke the left or right side of the cockroach's brain, making its freaking legs twitch. So he mounts on top of the cockroach and starts piloting it. And then the next thing we see of him is he's got a few cockroaches strapped to him with the brains like in front of his mouth so he can do things with his tongue. It's... And then he's developed an elaborate poly system so that the weight of a severed rat's head Sets off a chain reaction that implants him into a body made of rat bones and bug bits that he pilots because he's got a tube going from a rat brain on his back into the head of the pickle. And then he ends up in a secret facility. Yep. In, in some kind of like um, dictatorship led country where a government oh, agency has sort of taken it's over. It's clearly not and... far from where he is. But it, but it's it's a because you have the whole thing with um well yeah well yeah, yeah it's in America but like uh you find out that they've obviously taken over a, a country somewhere yeah and, it's like the yeah and the the main agent there the main the main person's voiced by Peter Serafinowicz Peter Serafinowicz pitch perfect as always and they use a guy called Jaguar who's like a prisoner of war from this country that they've overthrown. Uh, voiced by Danny Trejo, who they promise he can see his daughter again. <laughs> if he'll track down and I'm kill the pickle. The episode and the pickle that has appeared in their facility and started murdering people and everyone... because people are trying to kill the pickle because for some reason all the soldiers come from a country where there is a superstition about um, a Savenia. Savenia. The pickle the man. Pickle man. A deadly creature who will murder you if you punish. No, they punish you if, as a child, you don't eat your vegetables, oh, and they God. think this is this is the pickle man coming to kill them because the it's been man. too long since they avoided eating their vegetables when they were children. The pickle man, and it just spirals out of control. And the it becomes, pickle man. It becomes die hard, and and at the same time, it's just just oh, John Wick. Oh, God, it John Wick's the heck out of things. Yeah. By the end of the episode, I'd forgotten what Rick looked like. Because to me, he was just a small green penis-shaped thing with lens. The fuck was Pickle Rick? Um, it's amazing. It was pretty great. It's I, I mean, obviously, it's too early to say if it's the season's breakout episode, but it'll definitely be the one people quote the most. It's just easy to quote two words out loud, uh, as the freaking Tiny Rick stuff from last year proved. And also... Oh, my God. It's just the most bonkers concept. <laughs> I think. Also, we, we, we get to tick off the, uh, the bingo card of what in the title sequence actually will appear in the show at the end as well. Yes, really. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the villain's name now. There's a bad guy. I can't remember, it's, but it's the freaking brilliant. The piano hammers face guy. Yeah, it used to be like a full-on supervillain plot that we're never going to see. We just yeah. see the end of it. Oh, my Jaguar God. comes to save him. It was Ugh. so good. I was, I, I was bowled away by it. I, I'm glad we waited. I'm, I'm glad they took the time they needed to make season three because holy shit, season three is three episodes in. They've all been really freaking funny. 
Yeah. So bring on, bring on the others. The next one has got a weird title, like like Return of the Something. Vindicators Three, 3 Return. Vindicators Three Return. Thing. So it's like, wait, what? And I was racking my brain. I was like, have we seen something called the Vindicators in this show? Probably not. No. This is Rick and Morty. Yeah. Like they are. I'm just really waiting for Ball Fondlers the movie. That's oh, what I want to see. We've got to get some more ball fondlers this season. We do. Uh, speaking of ball, ball fondlers! As one! Great minds think alike. Oh. Fools seldom differ. Um, <laughs> let's go to the emails. Let's do it. You ball fondlers, you. Um... <laughs> Dan Rawlings! Dan Rawlings is a music man. To reply... His fingers can play. He is a music man. Uh, <laughs> to reply to you from the last episode, last episode but one, because we didn't answer this one last week because we recorded earlier than we were going to, um, he's playing Anthony and Sweeney Todd. That's the music. Nice! Episode. I feel you, Joanna. That's why she reported him. I feel you. That's why she reported him. Do you think the walls can hide you? Even now I'm at your window. I am in the dark beside you. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> that was good. You cupped my face. I felt like you were singing to me. I'm not an Anthony though. I'm I'm more of a Sweeney. Um, you would be a cracking Sweeney actually. Um, yesterday. And Sweeney Todd. I mean, just, just I'm going to be I'm going to be both Sweeney. members of the Sweeney. Yeah. Do you ever see that Sweeney remake with um, uh, Ray Winston and Plan B? No, but I do like Plan B, so I was curious. Mm. Terrible? I hear it's fucking bad. I've not seen oh, it. I wouldn't be surprised um, if it's terrible. I think it's on Amazon at the moment. But anyway, I do like Plan B, so I'll probably um, give it a shot. <laughs> yesterday, I went out and bought The Amazing Spider-Man 2 on DVD. I could have bought literally any other movie. You could have. Yeah, you could. Um, and I watched it along with your commentary. Hey! I absolutely loved it, your video, not the film. And I was wondering if you have any other films in mind that you'd like to make <laughs> future commentary videos and also if you take requests. Uh, we'd like to do some more at some point. Um, I can't promise that we'll honour requests, but if you want to throw some requests our way, we'll certainly consider them. If there are um, ones infamous enough, I think we'll... Yeah, we'll I reckon so. If, if, there is a, if there is a film infamously bad, we're likely to probably tackle it in some way, and that way might be a commentary. We might even tackle some good films, you don't know. Who knows? I don't know what our plans are. Or dares to dream, but I'm glad you enjoyed it, guys. Um, yeah. Uh, Dan, nice one. If, if you guys want to hear it, you never saw it, if you've got The Amazing Spider-Man 2 for some reason in your possession, I'm very sorry. Um, but yeah, if you want to ease the pain slightly and watch two idiots yell about how ridiculous it is as you're watching, check out our commentary on the Big Dumb Channel. It's a video commentary, so if you're watching your DVD you on your pop it desktop, on your phone and you just pop it in the... Yeah. Yeah, you either stickers on your phone just next to the monitor. Yeah. Or um, if you're watching it on your desktop, on your laptop, whatever, like shrink us in a window in the bottom corner and, uh, and, and watch us bitch and moan to your heart's content. You can do that shit. Um... <laughs> I sank my teeth and possibly more body parts into nine is ten. Boomtown as well recently, and I'm so oh, con- nice. I'm so confused to where the whole by Jing by Jove thing came from. It's just <laughs> a random bit of chatter that we, we Yeah. Me it's... and Chris talk a lot of nonsense. I, I And sometimes we say phrases and they stick. I, I don't think, know why. I think the seed of it for that one was I think the seed was I'd start I'd said by Jove at some point in an ad lib on CBBC and it really tickled Phil who who plays Sorry, looks after hacker. Um, so I, I kept saying it a bit, and then that was sort of it, and I didn't really do anything with it. And then when it came to nine is ten, I ended up using it as a bridge. And I think when we got to Boomtown, we just dived in. Like you were the first guest on nine is ten to buy Jove back, <laughs> so we just started by Joving and by Jimmy. Yeah. Um, 
And then apparently there's a song in something. I've not Googled it. I probably should. Where there's lyrics by Jove, by Jing, by Strauss is the thing. I should probably Google that. Sounds like something. Someone sang it to me once. Oh, um, Pepper's just shat. Yay! In the litter tray. Oh, like, my God. But it's only on... Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, I would find out what the hell that's from. Fucking By cats. Jove, by Jing, by Strauss is the thing. Um, while you're doing that, <laughs> Dan asks, Doctor Who... What are your favourite moments or episodes from Doctor's series you least like and least favourite moments from Doctor's series you big damn love? Um, my least favourite moment from an episode I quite like is in Love and Monsters where Elton reveals he often receives head from a fucking paving slide. <laughs> How much can you fit? Never mind. Um, thanks, chaps. Dan Rollins, 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 Dan Rollins. If you say it, Three more times than that in quick succession, he'll appear in your oatmeal and piss in it. I don't eat oatmeal, I eat muesli. Uh, um, the song's by Strauss by Ella Fitzgerald. Of course, um, of course it is. What's oh um, by Jing? Favorite moments from from Doctor series? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. From Doctor series, we do. Are like. these Doctor Who questions that we're going to reluctantly answer? We're, I'm reluctantly going to answer this. Yeah. Matt um, and Chris, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly, reluctantly answer, answer Doctor, Doctor Who questions. questions. Um. Least favorite moment from an episode. Favorite moment from an episode. I least like. Um, Colin's big fuck you speech to the Time Lord. Um, Time Lords in Trial of a Time Lord. So what's that? Favorite moment from a, an episode. From a story, you don't care? Yeah, yeah. Or from Doctor. That's. I mean, that is a great. What is it? Um, what was it? He says. Uh, like He's like Daleks, Cybermen, Son Tarmans. They're all living. Compared to us, it was it ten thousand years. Is it ten thousand or ten million 10, years 10, of absolute power. power? That's what it takes to be truly corrupt. Yeah, that is a great. Because I love actually. Colin, which is really undercut by the immediate scene afterwards, where like they just sort of go right. Well, we we don't care what you have to say, Doctor. Screw you. Oh, here's the master for some reason. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's two episodes and the Valiard, the Valiard. Um, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. a good moment. An episode. I don't really care for. Damn. Um. I really like that moment. I don't really care for Fear Her, but I really like that moment where Chloe Webber uh, <laughs> draws the TARDIS as like Rose and the Doctor sort of walking back to it. And she she steps out of it, turns around, and it's gone because Billy Piper really plays the panic well because it's like, oh god, oh my god, what do I do? Like it's that's, mm. that's terrifying. Mm. Like he's just suddenly gone. And the TARDIS has disappeared, like, without a sound. That's that's a cool moment in that story, but it's, uh... Yeah. There's probably least... more. There's probably quite a few from the Moffat era where, like, there's cool moments in a story that I don't care for very much. In terms of least favourite moments from stories, I, I love all the yellow face stuff and the unfortunately racist oh, stuff Talons of Wang in Talons of Wang Chiang that just hasn't aged well because, yeah, yeah. it's kind of racist. Oh, um, God, yeah. I love that story, but, mm, yeah, kind of difficult to go back to because that's a dude in yellow face. Straight up. Uh, <laughs> oh, the 70s. Uh, um, Human Nature, Family of Blood. The, the, the montage of him entrapping the, uh, the family. Because it just comes the fuck out of nowhere. Because they they go like, yeah. the reason why he ran from us wasn't because he was scared, it's because he was being kind. And it's like, he does this to us. And it, but the things that he does to them make no sense. They do a lot of stuff. He bound my father in unbreakable chains and dumped him in a bloody corridor in the Millennium Center, apparently. Like, they... they, um, he, they... Was it, he, he pushed my mother into a freaking, like, dwarf star or whatever. Like, 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 she was going to drift forever. 
trapped like, the girl in all the, the girl mirrors. in all the mirrors in the world. Yeah. If you ever think you've seen something in the corner of your eye, like that's her every single time. And he put me to work on the field, like just stuffs the guys with scarecrow. So it's very much a part of what they've done more and more with the show, with this new series that's gone on. Don't like, go shouting! I've got my gun. It's that myth. <laughs> it's that myth making. Yeah, um, but and it's a bit. But, but it's just it comes the fuck out of nowhere after a story that has been very character driven. And it's I get the idea. Handy, it yeah. would make more sense if he just put them somewhere. Yeah, like all of them somewhere in a thing. But it's like I'm sorry, someone's gonna find that that's not a scarecrow at some point. Yeah. Why would... What do you mean you put her in every mirror? Perception filters. Explain. I don't know. Um, It just... Uh, but I love yeah. that. Other than that, I adore that two-parter. So yeah, that's, that's a good example. What I love about this is Dan basically says that he loves Love and Monsters. He likes Love and Monsters. Hey, there's no such thing as like which is, Monsters, Dan. Which is, you know, general. There's love or loathe, and only the smart people love it. Um, Hi, Matt. How you doing? Ian sends we'll us to do a commentary on that at some point. Ian sends us a couple of short ones. Um, <laughs> what about emails? First of all, I would like to inform you guys. Actually, the brand I can't believe it's not butter is no longer called. I can't believe it's not butter. Right. What? Uh, thank you for pledging my ear holes for another week, Ian. And also getting down and dirty with a procyon loader. It's called war itself now. What? I've no idea. That I know was... what a Procyon Loader is. What is it? Procyon Loader is. Uh, I mean, you get down and dirty with a Procyon Loader when you've got no people's skills, but you're good with motors. Oh. Yeah. What? Guardians Inferno, baby. Oh. I've no idea what it's going to do with war itself. Right. But, uh... Okay. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Jacob! Jacob! Says. With his um, magic knee, Jacob, send an email to me. Oh, he has. He says, hello, big damn cockers. <laughs> I know this is an old subject, but apparently I'm sexist because I don't want my hero to be a woman. I have my reasons, some of them silly and some of them actually valid. Like I don't particularly want to fancy my hero. That's one of the sillier reasons. But I just wish the Doctor that Who fans that are calling people sexist for not wanting a female would <clears> just think they might have a valid reason. A final comment on this subject. I have my option. I think you mean opinion. And so does Christopher Logopolis, Johnson and Matthew Time, the Randy Watson. I know they will respect my opinion and I respect theirs. But if you want to comment on someone's opinion, please think that they might have a valid reason for why they don't want this. Please send your valid reasons on a stamped address, to, on a stamped address postcard to uh, Big Damn Cast. And we'll, uh, we'll consider them. Um, anyway, my friends, I watched Kingsman The Secret Service... Due to that mysterious contributor, also known as Lucy's enthusiasm towards it, and I've really well enjoyed it. If you haven't sorry, seen sorry. it, what's Jacob's voice? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Started off with David Bowie, that just went weird. Um, and if you haven't seen it, and often agree with my opinions, you should definitely go and rent it or buy it or illegally stream it or illegally pirate it or whatever floats your boat. Pirates boat, huh? I went to see the Dark Tower, and it was excellent. I don't know what Rotten Tomatoes says. 21% my ass. It was excellent. It makes me want to read the book, which I'm currently doing in the exact moment. In fact, it's quite difficult, but it adds comedic value to email. <laughs> That's one thing a comedian should never do is point out he's trying to be funny. Quick, Jacob, run and hide. I know I hope some wonderful people find my emails amusing. Anyway, like I said before, if you agree with my opinion before, you should definitely see it. So the reviews, just watch it. Now for Doctor Who questions. What do you wait, like? Wait, 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 wait. I don't know what was more amusing there. Jacob's unending stream of consciousness 
or the fact you committed to that voice and it nearly killed you. <laughs> it didn't kill me. I'm still alive. You're still alive to reluctantly answer. Doctor Who questions. What what do you when do you think that the universe of Doctor Who started to fall apart? Do you think Doctor Who's going the way that the classic series did? Um, I think it has already done the, 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 yeah. the thing that the classic series did. I think we're now about to enter the TV movie slash 2005 era again, if we're lucky. It's one of those, like, when one person is running the show for too long, that's when it starts to get stale. Yeah. Agreed. So, um, Agreed. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's I think I think the only way is up. It could go down. It could go or, down. Or the only way, this okay. The only way is up or down. The only way is up or down. It definitely can't go but, forward or backwards. When it was up, it was up. When it was down, it was down. When it was only halfway up, it was the husbands of River Song. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's that. Um, what was the other part of the question? Uh, um, do you think that Doctor Who is going the way the classic series did? Yeah, I think it did. I think it yeah. already did. We've had we've had the hiatus. We've had uh, sort of the terrible stories hampering excellent actors. We've had the companions written that were sort of bizarre choices in general. Like, you know, it's, it, the difference is Melanie Bush was sort of like irritating. Clara was a clusterfuck. Yeah, like Mel was um, annoying, but she wasn't terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, was that's she kind of, she, Was she terrible? Yes, she but, was terrible. But I think that was down to the character's creation and the old idea of the character, rather than Bonnie Langford. Bonnie Langford. We like Bonnie Langford. Uh, Bonnie Langford was weirdly miscast, and she the character is... was created for a miscast. Yeah, but everyone's going to point it out, so I'm going to save you all the bloody finger time, giggity. Uh, she's utilized a lot better in Big Finish, and, yeah, and she does a really good job in Big Finish. There, you don't have to say it now. Lots of love and all the squishiest thin cuddles I can give. Ooh. Jacob, Seth from Richard Herndl's magic Wi-Fi enabled vibrator. Ooh. That went a bit Pierce Brosnan at the end there, didn't it? <laughs> what goes on in this town is none of your business. Well, as long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here. <laughs> Tom Monty. Oh, God. Let's <laughs> just warm up your vocal pipes. Breathe. 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 Dear Christopher Math. Tom Monty Mill. After a few weeks away from the email scene, I've decided it is time to return to the email scene. I know it's not very relevant at the moment, and I only just noticed this recently, but I had a look on the official Doctor Who BBC website. Don't do it. And in an interview with Chris Chibnall, he said... I always knew I wanted the 13th Doctor to be a woman and we're thrilled to record that number one choice. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> what was that? Isn't this what you guys didn't want? This is exactly the sort of thing I was worried would happen. For them to cast the next Doctor based on their gender, it's confirmed now The Chris Chibnall and the BBC are sexists. Very disappointed in Chibbers. Um, I don't think that's confirming sexism whatsoever. I think that's him going, the show needs a change. I think, as showrunner, the change I would like to try is with a change for the gender's lead. It's difficult, because if you cast, if you want a woman for a role, and you cast a woman... The thing, then... is, the thing is, if he intended to do it as a woman, people are going to say that it's yeah. a sexist decision. If he intends to do it as a man, people are going to say it's a sex decision for not like finally taking the leap of trying it's, something he new. He can't win, really. <clears throat> I don't. Think, also... I don't think it's sexist decision making. I think he's gone. We need to visibly show that this show is changing, 
as it is meant to do. Doctor Who survives on its change and yeah. renewal. And a really visible big sign of that for people who, for example, because here's the thing that everyone sort of forgets. There is a big audience no longer watching the show. Yeah. You've They've got to say to them, like, this show still exists. Yeah. And look, we're doing something way different from the show that you fell out of love with. And one of the easiest ways to do that, and I'm not saying, you know, it's just as simple as like, Castle Lady, it'll fix it. Of course not. But like, one of the easiest ways to do that is to go, right, we're going to cast the Doctor in a way the Doctor's never been cast before. Yeah. I think... So, I, I'm I'm fine with that decision personally. Yeah, it does. It like, it just doesn't... <clears throat> yeah. It's difficult for me to try and... It's difficult for me to try and see why everyone's pissed off about it being mm. a woman. I just don't get it. Mm. I just don't see what the problem is. The o- the only criticism I've heard where I can sort I- I'm sort of like okay I kind of get that is from the people who who fell in love with the like the, the story and that like to them the show is like sort of the you know older like it's sort of the classic run style like the apart from Davison the older British, you know, male, like, very British, like, man, like, hello, I'm quirky and Victorian clothing, la la la, like, that kind of structure of yeah. dynamic. But Davison is already the, 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 the wrench in the machine yeah, in the classic run because it proves that it doesn't have to be an older British gentleman. Like, and it, also, he's a younger, like, very out of breath, but younger, dashing British gentleman. And then the modern show has had... Uh, one younger than usual doctor in Tennant, mm-hmm. and one much younger doctor in Smith. So already the modern show doesn't have that structure to the like the silhouette of the show as a concept. And also, I think so I don't, thing... I don't, I, don't I, I find it hard to believe people would have that as a problem unless they really love the original run and they're looking for something close to the original run uh, that they grew up with. Maybe. Well, the, th- the thing you've got to remember though is that it's also about this show shape, yeah. has to move with the times. Yes, agreed. It, it has be, to move it can't with the times. Stuck in a it time. It didn't, and that's what killed the original run. Yeah. It just couldn't keep up with stuff fast enough because you look at like McCoy's last season that was going up against Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Like, which was light years ahead of it in writing and production value. Well, it's last like, it's last season upped its game. Yeah. They shook things up a bit. The writing was Which is what they the needed to do. And they were going in that direction. But, but it, was it was too late. late. It was too, like, the death warrant had been signed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you look at Rose coming back, Rose, that episode is very much a blueprint for modern Doctor Who for the mid-2000s. Yeah. Now we're in 2017. Yeah. We're living in a much more diverse, connected... Um, I would like to think we're moving towards a more liberal society, although events in America and over here are clearly proving that that is not the case. Um, although I think a lot of a lot of people want to, although people in power are pulling them back, and there is a you know there is a, a an alt right uprising, um, and I think the show has to reflect that. And I think that like you, yes, casting if you wanted to cast a woman, then he cast someone for the gender. Yeah, maybe fine. Okay, we can. We you can mm. have that if you want. Again, did we say we were worried about that? I guess. Yeah. I guess we were worried about tokenism, I, but I it think... didn't feel like tokenism. I don't know. Mm. Like, it, it's that. It's that odd thing. It's like I. I feel that diversity is important. Yeah. Forced diversity is kind of insulting to everyone involved, but you have to weigh weigh it up. 
Like, yeah. if there has been an overwhelming majority of one thing, like be it one, you know, gender yeah. or one uh, ethnicity represented or whatever, it is not an in- offensive, insane notion to aim for more of I something different. don't think you can call a 13 to 1 ratio of male to female yeah. no, no, no. forced diversity. No, exactly. Just putting that out that's there. What, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it had been... Yeah, that's, saying, I know, that's what, yeah, that's what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So, so it's just, it's like, oh, I don't know. The thing that baffles me the most is people's problem with it. Like, again, I understand that people can have a problem with it. I'm like you. I just don't get get why myself. I can't interpret it myself. I respect people's opinion. They are more than entitled to believe that. But, I, of course, I, I can't agree. I'm not going to shit on you for having that opinion. I might. Matt might, but that's because he's been holding it in for a couple of hours. Yeah, and, and, I, and I just like shitting on people. He'll curl one out anywhere. But, um, yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time... Not really, I'm not a coprophagist. It's a show about change. It's a show based on change and renewal. It's a show about ex- acceptance and understanding and open-mindedness. Like, the only thing the show is against is the forces of evil. Like, that is the only thing the show has a, has beef with. Yeah. Bad guys. That's what the show's beef with. Yeah. And ultimately, it's about a shape-changing, made-up alien character in a blue police box, travelling through time and space with a bunch of quirky, robotic, sexy people. Let's... Let's show. That's the show, guys. It's people wearing mops on their heads in silver jumpsuits fighting dustbins in space. It's... Why is this the biggest problem? That's who. That's what <laughs> all the people say. Anyway, let's. Yeah. I, I'm having. I'm out enough. Yeah. Of this bullshit. So oh. we're not, let's not talk about any more of that. Oh. Um. I've been watching Rick and Morty. It's Yay! been really good. I enjoyed Vindicators 3, but I'm aware that you guys are a week behind in reviewing it. So I will also say that I thoroughly enjoyed the. I'm guessing you've been watching online then, haven't you? Also, I'm aware that Chris doesn't watch Game of Thrones, but I'm not aware if Matt watches it. I do. I fucking love it. Um, Does Matt Gaynor watch Game of Thrones? I do. I fucking love it. If not, both of you need to watch it before you die. My in-laws and, by extension, my uh, soon-to-be sister-in-law's fiancé's mother have borrowed our Blu-ray box sets. I have no chance of catching up now that Now TV have taken the box set. Yeah, they do that, it, don't they? The fuckers like that. Yeah. It's almost like they want you to pirate it. Yeah, in a way. In many ways. Because they make it really difficult for you to get hold of it legitimately. But I will say this. I did watch this week's, and uh, Kevin Eldon, popping up as a different character from the last time he was in it, confirms that even Game of Thrones has decided, oh, we don't need to cast any new people now. We're just going to recycle British actors. <laughs> Like, we're not going to cast every actor in Britain. We've picked 90% of them, and now we're going to just recast them in other roles. Fuck them. So expect, um, to see, expect to see dead characters reappearing as new characters, but with a moustache. After many weeks of Doctor Who Series 10 not being on our screens, and now that you've both had time to mull it over as a whole, do you now sum up what you think about that series in one sentence, and whether you feel like you want to revisit it at some point in the future? I know I won't be... Tom's become a lot more lively, hasn't he? Yeah, well... He's gone from sounding like, like Vincent Price after a nap to um, Vincent Price 
slightly later after waking up from his nap. That's what you do, isn't it? Uh, We're getting I'm... closer to Prime Vincent Price. Prime Price. It's just practice. Vincent Price. Um, I am Vincent Price. I'm only doing this so I can practice my Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. I clearly need a lot of practice. Um, uh, uh, disappointing is my overall thoughts on Series 10 in reflection. Mostly harmless. Fair play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was all right. Will I revisit it? Maybe. I don't know. I've got a lot of I, shit to watch. I'd watch the first few and then skip to the last. I don't two. know if I'd watch the series again as a whole. Definitely <clears throat> not. I just yeah. um, the, four words. The monks killed it. Yeah, it was going all right mm. up until that happened. Then it never quite recovered. Oxygen, did Oxygen it? Was a bit meh, and then the monk trilogy killed my enthusiasm yeah. for the rest of the run. Um. Were you happy when you heard about Asbil's return in the Doctor Who 2017 Christmas special? How do you think she will return? Um, this is based on the San Diego news from the week. I am it? not particularly happy. I am not particularly interested. Yeah, I thought her character was I mean, given an end that was a bit soppy, but fine. It was, but it was nice, and she got a nice little character beat at the very end. It, it also gives her the ability to return however and whenever she wants. So. But there is this weird thing in, in the Moffat era now, I say like it's a thing, it's only happened once before, but it looks like it's going to happen again at Christmas, where when a Doctor leaves, there's almost like a mini greatest hits from their companion... And I'm not for that. I don't want every death to be the weird spiraling montage from the end of Caves of Androzani. Yeah. Like, I, you know, the, all the deaths should be different. So having Bill pop up again is kind of like, eh. eh. Plus, I would have rather have been surprised by it. I probably wouldn't feel annoyed by it if we were just watching the Christmas special. It was like, oh, shit. Like, instead now I'm like, oh, they've crowbarred her in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> eh. When can we expect a big damn love for Black Mirror Series 2? Hmm. Um, I'm probably not going to do that one. Um, I wouldn't expect any more big damn love till next year at this point. Yeah. We're, we're, there, there might be a couple we're, tour of Crimbo, but yeah, we're, 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 we're trying other stuff out. Yeah. I mean, you've got... You've got 20... You haven't seen any of that other stuff yet, but we are trying it out. Yeah, you've, um, you've got 26 episodes to rewatch at your leisure in the meantime. Though, yeah. So feel free to binge it. But, I uh, feel like I feel I'll, like Christopher might do a season two. I'll one. tell you this, I'm very likely going to do season two yeah. of Black Mirror for the next big damn love season. So, um, uh, yeah. Because I do love season. Be right back is one of my favorite ones. So I, I've not actually seen season two. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I'll say nothing else because I was going to go on about why I love Be Right Back. But if you've not seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you. You go on about um, everything else. So that's Haley Atwell is amazing. There we go. Okay, there we go. Um, um, we knew that already. Yeah. Have either of you guys ever worked in retail before? If so, what was your favorite thing about it and your least favorite thing about it? I could literally talk all day about how much I hate my retail job. Um. <laughs> I don't really like anything about it. There we go. Yeah, I, I've only worked two retail jobs, both very briefly. I worked in a coffee shop. Um, I'm mostly just handing out the drinks, like not making them and yeah, stuff yeah. like And Swinton briefly uh, when I was like 14 for next to no money. And it was fine. Um, it was all right. And then I worked in a suit specialist shop for a while. Like, I was sort of the new kid who was, like, dealing with all the customers and sorting out the orders and, and tidying up the showroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's fine, I guess. Like, I, my answer's very unremarkable, as, <laughs> so it was fine. As, as an actor, I spent most of my career out of work and working in retail and other similar jobs, so I fucking hate it. Um... So if anybody's a big producer who'd like to fund a uh, two-man touring stage show, then uh, throw some cash. 
Don't cast us in it. Just throw some cash. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. we'll just go with Disneyland. Oh, um, fuck yeah. Have a wonderful time in between now and the next podcast. Very well, Tom Monday. What about after the next podcast, Tom? After the next podcast. Will we have a wonderful time then? No, because we've not done a big download on season two of the... Uh... Black Mirror. Alright, well there you go. It's um, a promise. It'll be in season two of Big Damn Love. Season two of Big Damn Love will have season two of Black Mirror. Finally me Um Viagra tablets, yeah? <laughs> Come on, it's gotta be. Luke says More of averages. Luke says, Oh it's three PM on Wednesday already. <laughs> I hope I'm not too late. I re-watched Buffy Restless recently. Sorry, sorry. I would love to hear your theories on the cheese, man. Wait. What? I don't know. I just picked a voice and I'm going with what it. Was this, what was um, the question? I was too bad. I re-watched Buffy Restless recently. And I'd love to hear your theories on the cheese, man. Dreams, innit? Dreams. I'm not. I can't Dreams. remember. I've been that long since I've watched that episode. Of I've, I've read an know. essay online somewhere that the cheese guy is like a a thing. Like he's like uh, sort of meant to be like the, the spirit of the first proper watcher, not the tribal guys and everything and all this stuff. Bullshit. It's a dream sequence. Here's a guy with some cheese. That's Wait. It. Are people overthinking themes of TV? Never. Yeah. Um. Are there any children's TV shows that you still enjoy watching now? Mine is winging it, but then I do have a bit of a crush on Kendra Timmins. Denise, woohoo. Winging it. Is I don't that know the, what that is. Is that the Guardian Angel one? I don't know I what that is. I think it might be. Um, uh, if Deadly 60 is on the telly, I will watch it. Children's shows. Um, I like the original Transformers cartoon. I like... I've been watching a bit of Transformers Prime recently. That's that's not too bad. That's um, a recent answer. That's a recent We're answer. We're modern. We're modern. Uh, <laughs> I'll always watch a bit of Power Rangers yeah. if I've got two minutes to kill or we have a child in the house who needs to be entertained um so me whenever yeah, I around. the real ghostbusters is on netflix now i don't need <gasps> to get that to that for a while shut the front door and he-man and the masters oh. of the universe uh so i might i, I love all the good. 80s cartoons that and would be um good. yeah <laughs> all sorts of stuff um, i don't like pokemon <clears throat> i keep wanting to like pokemon I hate pokemon i used to love it i used to I love it, it and i play the ago. games a lot but every time i think oh i should watch some pokemon I watch it and go, this is fucking terrible. It's dreadful. Um, There's a nice animation in there somewhere, but it's pretty... It's just Not in the early seasons. Like, it's really... Like, it's very, very bad animation. Poor animation. And recently, um, I, don't know if, I don't even know if it's classed as kids' TV back then. Like, family TV, maybe. Recently, Lucy's been binging Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I would say that's children's television, yeah. Oh, my God. Teenagers' television, It certainly. is great. It is... There's some painfully unfunny jokes in there, and then there are some, like, completely under-the-radar... <laughs> How did censors not notice this? Sort well, of, I, like, I was I was just the right age to start like have a teenage like a I guess pre I was preteen at the time. So my preteen crush on uh, Melissa John Hart. So yeah, me too. Um, Although now I'm kind of crushing on Zelda much more. Well, yeah, yeah. That's why you go back to the show <laughs> as an adult. Um, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> what um, is one TV show or film in which you would love to take part in a re- return or remake of? I'd pick either National Lampoon's Vacation or Community. What TV show or film would you like to take part of if they were remaking it? Yeah. I'm going to put one on the line for you already. If they had to re-re-re-redo the thing, you would totally get involved in Oh, God, I would, yeah. You to- Even if it was just Man Who Explodes Early On. If, they, like, yes, if any like sort of 
<laughs> genre movie like that, if they want to reboot or make a new uh, installment in it, I'd be there like a shot. Yeah. Love to do an alien movie. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. But a good alien movie, not like Alien Covenant. Like, <laughs> I'm really happy for Danny McBride. I'm really happy for Danny McBride that he got to come out of the comedy ghetto for a movie and, and actually do something pretty cool. Mm. But, but what, I, that what, movie's not what good. A not great movie to be in. <laughs> I, I've um, always I've always said that like I'm determined to either go to a taping of, if not somehow be a, an extra in Red Dwarf. Yes. Um, just because they don't have a lot of guest cast. That's the thing. Yeah, it's difficult, in, isn't in it? In fact, I think out of the last couple of years, the only episode where they had like a lot of people. Twentica had some background performers, like the science bar yeah. and everything. And there's the flashbacks. And the other one with in, the, uh, with the morality, morality drive. drive. Yeah. Um, so to go to a taping would be enough, because technically you're in it. Yeah. Your laughter's in your it. Your laughter's in it. Um, um, although I'm determined, I'm absolutely freaking determined to get a background artist part in the League of Gentlemen um, special that they're working on. I'm determined. Me and a couple of others who used to be on the website back yes. in the day. Like, we've got to find out when they're filming so we can be in the background somewhere. Just so we can be like, guess what? We're in that one. <laughs> like, we're in yeah. that one somewhere. So that would be nice. Fingers crossed. Who knows? Uh, so... Failing that, we could be Torchwood 6. <laughs> Manchester branch. And make the email longer. Don't, but I fear don't. I may leave it too late. No, Luke, it's okay. It's okay. Shh, 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 Luke, it's Goodbye! Right. We're, we're cradling you, Luke. It's okay. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> oh, God, you... Oh, God, you really are... Yes, please reply to this email or tweet me, then you might be free to work on an STA commentary or whatnot. Yeah, we'll let um, you know. We will let you um, know when we figured it out. That's it! That's the show! Is that it for every... Oh, God. That's that's all of them. You know what this means, though, don't that you? That is all of them. You know what this means? What does it mean? Now we have to go back into that small box that we're kept in between uh, no, the cords. No, only, only you're kept in the small box. Oh. I have a much larger, much nicer box. <clears throat> but if we say dormant... Yeah. Who does the graphics? Who uploads the episodes? Um, I do it before I go in the box. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. that's, that's impressive. And then I sleep for seven days. And your twin records adventures in backlog. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I do it in one go. Um, but before we go... Yes, we have to remind everybody to email BigDamCon. We have to take a visit. No, wait, no. No, come on. To the cheat corner. Oh, for piss's sake. And if you've been watching Adventures in Backlog and you all know that I've been playing Red Dead Redemption on PlayStation 3. And lovely, lovely, lovely cheat codes do indeed exist for that game. Very current, Uh, that game from 2007. Use those cheat codes. You've got to go. You've got to go into options and you've got to go into cheats. Don't do that. And then wait, there's a cheat option. Yeah, anyone that you've unlocked already, they'll be. You can toggle them on and off. So you don't have to enter it once, and you can access it any time you like. Big damn cast on Twitter. Remember, you can hit us up anytime. Big damn contact at gmail.com. See you guys next week week for a new big damn cast. Uh, Thanks for that. We'll get the week as well. Uh, uh, we'll see you next week. I wish I was. I'm